Drunk Tank. It's the Drunk Tank. It's the greatest show in history. From the town of Austin, they're about to get a DUI. <laughs> it's the podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? It's a little Flintstones flavor to get you started in the morning. It was even the, rhyme. It wasn't the Flintstones part. It was the weird vibrato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a, it's like a very it's like a subgenre of the old timey voice. It's like the vibrato singer. <laughs> yeah, like you should have slick back hair. It's like tuxedo. It's like you should be singing Daisy or oh, Daisy or something. Daisy, Daisy. <laughs> so it's a uh, Gus, Bernie, Barbara, and Monty today. Woo-hoo. Do you know the story? When you say Daisy, do you know the story behind why they chose Daisy for two thousand and one? Oh, I used to know the story. It was um, the first. Computer synthesized music ever played? What First that? computer synthesized voice ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so what we're talking about is in 2001 when Dave, what's his name? Yeah, it's Dave. Open, open the, I can't do that, Dave. Yeah, open the pod bay doors, Hal. Um, <laughs> he, when he kills Hal, the computer, spoiler. <laughs> Oops. I think it's okay by now. It's okay. The movie came out in 2001. <laughs> the, um, uh, when he kills Hal, the computer, uh, the computer is slowly losing its mind, and it sings the song Daisy that its programmers taught it when it first was essentially born, and that's based on... You can look it up on YouTube. Yeah, and I think, in fact, in the movie, Hal was supposed to have been developed at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana, mm-hmm. where I believe that first experiment occurred in real life, where the computer sang for the first time. All right. Is that true? I'm going to look it up right now. I believe so. The crazy thing about 2001 is you watch it now... And you kind of take a lot of the stuff for granted. When the movie 2001 came out, computer displays didn't even exist. Like, that was a technology that did not exist. But in the movie, everyone's interfacing with the computer using a display. Mm-hmm. It's like it was such forward-thinking, prescient sci-fi that he got a lot of things correct. Right. I think even satellites didn't even... Geosynchronous satellites did not exist at that point. And, like, the first modern shot when they pan from the monolith up to space is a geosynchronous satellite, which I believe is a communication satellite in the movie. But in the book, it's supposed to be a nuclear weapon pointed back at Earth. Really? That looks so exciting. I love, I, I love the movie. I love talking about this stuff. Because in the, in the book, it goes from the expression of the stick, you know, when the apes use the stick as the ultimate weapon to dominate each other, you know, and then he throws it up, and then it's supposed to pan up to... The new dominant form of weapon, which was nuclear base, nuclear weapons pointed back at Earth via satellite. Which we still don't have. Which Theoret- we still don't have. I, Theoretically, I, we yeah. don't have. I heard there was a beginning that was cut from that movie. Oh, really? Um, something about, like, that monolith on the moon. Was it on the moon? Yeah, the, they discovered the monolith again on the moon. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> it's, that movie's, like, four hours long, but there's still so much that's, like, that's cut and changed. What year did that come out? 68? I don't. I think it might have been earlier. It might have been like 64. Wow, and they're already predicting that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, we were we were watching the other day um, the You Will ads from the AT&T campaign in the 90s, which was like, Oh, right. Do you do this? You will. And one was like, have you ever tucked your baby in from a phone booth? You will. And it's pretty surprising how much stuff they got right. Like the guy on the beach with the tablet? Yeah, but, they, they, but it's like they don't have the context to say what it is, like the, it's like you can still see it from a 1990s, early 90s context, which is they say about that guy, "Have you ever sent a fax from the beach?" Yeah. And he sends like he writes on a tablet, and yeah. he said, fax goes. It's like because they didn't have the word email, so they said a, they put it in terms of a fax. I knew yeah. what you were talking about because you talked about it last time. When last time? When <laughs> on the podcast? Like last week? No, we like, talked about it like a year ago, about yeah. a year ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> but we were just looking at we were just looking at it again. Do you oh, okay. think we've hit a technological plateau at all? It seems like we have, but then 
somehow they keep surprising us in different ways, but it, it's hard to imagine them going up from I, here. I feel like innovation really took off post-World War II during the Cold War and the space race. 2001 was 1968. Look at nice. the wow. brain That's Look at the uh, brain on burning. I feel like there's a lot of advancement, but I feel like things have slowed down. Maybe like it's because in hindsight you look back at all those advances and you think it all happened very quickly, but it takes time. I think I think it changes. What the focus is changes. Like right. desktop computers were a very big deal for like 15 years, but now mobile devices are unbelievably amazing. I mean, if you look at that iPhone and what it is, it's incredible. It's it's beyond incredible. It is a Star Trek device that you have in your hand. Yeah. I mean. You have a device that is a glass pane that you can interact with. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, we have it, so it's hard to appreciate it, but that is amazing. Yeah, with the latest iteration, you can talk to it, create things, you know, create events, or talk, communicate with people simply through voice. You're not talking to the people. You're talking to a computer, computer. who's interpreting your voice Behind and the then sending the message screen. to other people. Yeah. I'm telling you, when I went from BlackBerry to iPhone... That was like the best day of my life because I was like, wow, this is an actual phone and what, I can actually do stuff. Once you this. leave Blackberry, you never go backberry. <laughs> Get out. Hey. hey. Oh, Jesus. I also think there's a pretty big focus on just like um, virtual technology, you know, uh, real time engines and stuff, you know, <laughs> development of game engines and, you know, stuff that stuff that makes it easier to make movies, for example, like all the technology okay. they developed for Avatar and things. It's a little, almost too focused on that. I think it's because there's a high demand for it. Everyone thinks movies are like the greatest thing, and we just develop technology for it. Well, they also have big budgets to to go along with the movie creation. What was the budget for Avatar? Wasn't it something like five hundred five hundred million? Five hundred million. Jeez. I don't think there's an official number, is there? Well, they had to go to a different planet to film it. That's a lot of millions. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of unobtainium. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the podcast today is Mr. Monty Ohm. So, hello, Monty Ohm, and Miss Barbara Dunkersnack. Duncan <laughs> Bernie has a new nickname for me. It's Berbera Duncan Snack. Berbera Duncan Snack. <laughs> Duncan Snack. Hey, all of us here are going to PAX. That's awesome. We are. We're all going to PAX East. PAX East. PAX East. PAX East. Actually, do you call Gus? Oh, we've been to every I'm PAX. Just, yeah. Every single PAX. I know I'm a member of the PPAC. Perfect <laughs> PAX Attendance Club. Perfect <laughs> PAX <laughs> Attendance Club. <laughs> so are you, you know, I was just talking with Brooke, uh, and she's no longer a frag doll, so mm-hmm. she was like, she was going to break her PPAC streak, but now she's going to PAX East right. as... As, as a, a civilian, as a civilian, <laughs> I guess, attendee, as a norm, we should, we should make PPAC shirts. <laughs> we should. I wonder how many people have been to every single PAX, every iteration. Well, if you consider the first event was only what, like three thousand people? Yeah. That you, I mean, that's the number you start with, and then it whittles down very quickly from there. Boston yeah. had to take a lot of people out, right? Yeah, I'm sure it did. Oh, yeah. didn't make the trip over. Mm-hmm. All, all the civilians. I'm, 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 I'm curious as to how many of the PPAC members are in the industry exhibitors, or how many are. Like diehard. I'm sure there are attendees, attendees who let's, are. Let's do a PPAC dinner. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure that out. People. We can be like, what's the thing in The Simpsons where they all have a key to the vault and they all die off? Are you talking about um, Hellfish? Oh yeah, the Hellfish, the <laughs> fighting Hellfish. <laughs> we can be the PPAC Hellfish. I was thinking of uh, the Stonecutters from The Simpsons. Do oh, they, is that their That's secret the cult? Yeah. yeah, it's like the Masons. Man, you know what? That was a good episode. Simpsons is now what? Twenty three years? Uh, uh, I think it's yeah, twenty three. Twenty two or twenty three? I know. I know it's my age or older. So, let me do quick math. You know, The Simpsons has been on the air through four different decades. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> They're four decades old. <laughs> they, were, they were here before any of us were born. Uh, <laughs> uh, they have 506 episodes. 23 yeah. seasons, 22 episodes, 506. Wow. The, the, they had, they, I know they just had their 500th episode a few weeks ago, obviously, six weeks ago. And uh, at the end of the episode, 
I, I watched it just because it's, it's, it's kind of monumental, I guess, to get to, get to 500. Yeah. At the end of the episode, they had a slate that says, before you get on the internet and bit, or complain about how awful this episode was, take a breath and go outside. Really? Yeah. Really? Really? It was really funny. <laughs> I guess so, but it's like, what are they going to like preload criticism or something like that? <laughs> wow. I thought the episode was fine. I have not seen a new Simpsons episode in a very long time. kind of take it for granted because we always, it's like it's been around so long, we always assume it's going to be there. Yeah, they had that uh, cast conflict or I guess uh, a compensation conflict, was it this past year? Last summer? Maybe? Really? Where, like this, where they almost did not renew for another season. Oh, man. It was like at the last minute. I they, feel like that's going to be the end of the world when it. The Simpsons is no longer. Could you imagine having a job for 25 years? Especially in entertainment. That's like that's like old style, you know, 50s or 60s factory worker, right? It's like, I put in 25 years and I got my gold watch and I'm retired now. <laughs> Pretty much. You I would mean. think the voice actors would start talking like they're characters in real life just constantly because they do it so much for 25 years i guess so yeah i mean it's pretty voice acting is a pretty good gig because it's you know two hours basically i mean they don't all have lines one time i worked out that when the friends the cast of friends they were making a million bucks an episode i think it was more i think it was like 2.5 almost or close what? to three really yeah like in the last season i think it was wow. almost three million an episode wow you've got to cancel a show at that point you're paying so much a salary <laughs> i know no kidding it was a huge so what did you calculate huge, so, oh i was so. calculating that with six people in 22 minutes uh that they were all responsible for just under four minutes a week yeah they couldn't be responsible really for anything more than that for a million bucks. Weren't the episodes... Oh, no, they were half an hour. Why did I think yeah. they were an hour? Uh-huh. And it's 22 minutes with commercials. Yeah. So it's just like... It's like, it's like I'm responsible for four minutes <laughs> four a week, minutes. and I make a million bucks for four nice. minutes, essentially. That is the best job. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to see... I'm hey, here. Adam. How you doing? Adam's uh, poking his head in, because Adam's going to be part of our uh, Mass Effect 3 spoiler cast, which we should probably announce that at the end... We're going to do it at the end. So at the end, <laughs> bye, Adam. Adam's a little sleep. De- like- can you? Can- Adam's a little sleep deprived, but he'll explain that when we, when we do he, the master. Can you go register my Windows Seven? What? My Windows Seven. It keeps giving me that registration uh, error. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Software licensing. Yay! Behind the scenes, look right there. But yeah, at the end of this uh, episode, we'll be having a special. Spoiler-filled Mass Effect 3 discussion. Yes. We will warn you extensively before we start that discussion. It'll be probably the last 30 minutes of the podcast. I will not be joining because I have nothing to contribute. (laughs) But we will be discussing it at length. And we will we will give big warnings and all that stuff, especially people who are listening to this while they're... I I was noting on Twitter that people always say what they're doing when they're listening to the podcast. It's like, the big thing for RVB was RVB people would put on the DVDs and do stuff in their house. Fold laundry was the big thing. Yeah, people would watch RVB while they fold laundry. I, I would lo- do that too. I love that. I don't know what it is. I must. I must have watched RVB like a hundred times now. Uh-huh. Commentary, not commentary. You know. Yeah, you you still have it on. Uh, about half the time I go back to your station, yeah. you're you're watching uh, one of the Red vs. Blue DVDs. What's well, like? There's. I mean, honestly, with as many hours of content we have now, you just watch and you're like, oh, I mean, from a writing perspective, and Monty in a lot of ways because he does choreography that's keyed into characters. He's in a in a sense a writer, and, and so you find things like oh I could use that like like there's a moment that that people have so you just watch this stuff yep. over and over and over mm-hmm. yep. yeah I th- a lot of times for writing for inspiration I will just watch the series and then I will just go into Halo maps and literally just walk around mm-hmm. that's what I do in an empty Halo map in yep. Forge yeah I do the same thing I'm like they should jump off that or maybe someone should fall into that pretty good well, then, and i'm like who hung that sign there <laughs> you, you're walking around maps is a, kind of what started red versus blue in the first place i know we talk about you making like halo action videos but i remember you would walk around all the time and just look at the set and mm-hmm. look at you know the things that were in the world and watch watch the world as it existed there, there are some things that just don't change after 
nine years. Yeah. Still do a few of the things the same way. My favorite running joke is how Griff occasionally... There's a lot of little running jokes in the show that we don't like make as like we don't put them in the forefront. They're just like little background jokes. And one is how Griff is constantly concerned about the sun never going down. Yeah. Like he brings it up every now and then. Like why is it always daytime? Yeah. 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 Griff brings that up occasionally. He did that in um Why is it always Relocated? Yeah. He did that in I think it was most prominent in Relocated. I think he yeah. made other mention of he, it, but he definitely was like he point, he was yelling about it. Yeah. In he really <laughs> lost it. He really lost it the miniseries about the sun never setting. <laughs> He wanted someone to explain it to him. But that's, that's got to exist, right? A world where it doesn't, where the re- I wonder, revolution and rotation match I, in such a way that it has one side that only. Faces I wonder the about that in star? in Avatar, right? That planet Pandora is a moon that orbits a gas giant, right? right? Is there ever a period every like five hundred years where it's just in darkness for another five hundred years, where it's like its orbit matches that, that's always behind that gas giant? Hmm. It's it's interesting, like Sequel. orbits, yeah. I mean, it, they talk about that with Earth. They they recently gave a statistic where they said there's, I guess, just based on raw probability, 10 million planets that are Earth-like in our galaxy. Yeah. Is what they, was it 10 and million? that's just our galaxy. Yeah. And it's just crazy to think about that. Just mm-hmm. like, that's a sheer probability of the number of, you know, how far away it is from their star based on the size of the star. That, that makes me happy. So you could take... Everyone in the U.S. and give like groups of thirty people a planet. Thirty people or three hundred? Ten million? Thirty times yes, 10 thirty million is three hundred million. Yeah, we give every thirty people in the U.S. a planet. So Rooster Teeth would have a third of well, Rooster Teeth as a company would have its own planet. <laughs> Let's do it. Its own Earth. We we need more planets. This one's fucked up. Yeah, but isn't like thir- every thirty people getting their own planet? Isn't that kind of like what Tumblr is? <laughs> Everybody has their own domain and whatever they want to do, they can just fuck it up. And when you show up, you're like, "What the fuck is this? What's this? When did this music start playing?" As soon as I got in orbit here. Have you guys ever seen a scale of the universe? It's this thing online where you could kind of scroll back and forth, where it goes from like the smallest thing in existence to like the biggest thing that we know of in existence, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely mind-boggling. And it's it's usually stars. So you start off with Earth, right? And then it shows in no, comparison like, to the moon. No, it starts with like atoms, right? At like smaller. Oh, than atoms, really? And like it moves up like humans, houses, cars, etc. And then just like keeps going up and up and up and up. And it's like absolutely ridiculous. And they, they have those relative things where they they show you our our size relative to the to our sun, and yeah. you're like, wow, we're so <laughs> tiny. And then they show our sun relative to other, other stars. stars. <laughs> yeah, it's like holy shit. It's like those other stars are putting our sun in the trash can at school, like beating <laughs> him up, taking his lunch money. <laughs> There are people I meet who don't believe in aliens, and I feel like those are the like the dumbest people in the Uh-oh. world. Fight, fight, fight! I will fight you if you don't believe in aliens. Because how is it possible that we're the only living creatures in the entire universe? Fate. That's that's impossible to me. There has to be another. We're living not the creature. only living. There's plenty of living creatures on Earth. I remind you, Barbara Dunkelman. On Earth, yes, but I mean in the galaxy, like on other planets. Mm-hmm. I so just, you definitely believe 100. percent 100. percent There well, has wait. to be some living being. Somewhere in the universe. I believe in aliens, but I have, you know, until it's proven empirically, I'm I'm open to the fact that maybe this is it. I don't know. It's just... I know the universe is a big place and probability's on that side, but as minuscule as it is, the possibility also exists. People who believe in ghosts more than aliens. Those are the people who anger me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, or it's also the possibility that what we have here that we call organic life 
is just unique in itself and that there could be other forms of life that we just can't recognize yeah. or see. Like, That's they true. don't exist in the same way that we do. Like, mm. I don't believe in aliens in the sense yeah. that it's like, blah, 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 like, with all the tentacles and how, stuff like How that. are they? <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> I think okay. I'm totally going to sound loop that. I'm going to grab that. <laughs> I, th- I do. I think we underestimate the word alien in because we have movies about aliens and it's always some form of bug or yeah. weird-eyed creature. Like, the, 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 the word alien should mean, you know, that it's completely alien. Yes, we would do, do not recognize it. You know, and you're right. Maybe we just don't. E- we've seen it. And we don't even know it. Right. I mean, how would we recognize something that's made of energy? You know, I mean, if it doesn't have any ability to communicate, throw baby with us. powder on it. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about this Gavin with the slow mo stuff. I mean, what if there's life that exists for nanoseconds at a time? Like that, that's entire lifespan. It, but it, it exists in such a way that to you know, if it saw us, they would think of us as trees. You know what I mean? Or not even. You it's, know. it's almost like going back to the scale thing that Barbara was talking about, yeah. where things are so large that you can't comprehend it. It's like, what if that time is the same way? Right. It's My like, mind is actually being blown right. Is now. it? Uh, is, <laughs> don't don't <laughs> don't. Bark. That was that was Barbara's nuclear explosion <laughs> noise. By the way, girls can't do sound effects. We know. We know. I like we had, we had Aaron. Uh, from <laughs> yeah. the audience, she came up and did sound effects at our South by Southwest party. Did we talk Jeez. about that a lot? Do we have, we have video episodes? of that, right? Yeah. When's that going her, what up was her, for the world to see? Her footsteps were like, bop, 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 bop. It's like, toop, 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 toop. <laughs> was that her footsteps? <laughs> and then her gun was like, <laughs> so I thought she was like, I thought she went pew, 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 and her I think cha 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 was her like realistic follow up to pew, 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 pew. Is that video ever going up anywhere? I don't know if we have video of we, that. We took footage of... We definitely um, have footage. There were too, I saw way too many cameras for there to not be footage. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure it's up somewhere. Yeah. I'm we, sure it is. I think it just needs to be compiled and put up. We just kind of did it and forgot about it. We're just too busy. Yeah, I didn't record it. Okay, I want to remind this audience, at the end of this podcast, we're going to be doing a Mass Effect 3 spoiler cast, where we'll be talking in-depth about the Mass Effect 3, or entire Mass Effect franchise, including the ending of Mass Effect 3, <laughs> which has people up in arms. You see but the, we'll warn you before it comes. you see the Total Recall trailer? I did! I, I saw the Total Recall trailer, and I saw other some other remake thing. I have not seen the Total Recall trailer yet, but I have heard good things about it. I don't recall seeing awesome. it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Monty's gonna be like, "Hey, I'm you here made all a, day. hey, you made a bad joke on the last podcast. <laughs> you can't, you can't do, that. do that again. Everything that comes out of my mouth is a bad joke." I'll so, Monty and I were talking about about that yesterday. We were talking about how that was yesterday. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was here twice. You oh. were here twice yesterday. You remember too. things that were on like eight podcasts ago? No, no, oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that was that was <laughs> Bernie. We were talking you about just got called out. Oh shit! That was called out. The, <laughs> <laughs> Bernie, we were talking last night. I just haven't gone to bed yet. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's yesterday. Okay. For me. Okay. For, normal, <laughs> for the whole world. For normal people. For people who are on Amani's 36-cycle circadian rhythm or whatever you're on. Yeah. It's crazy. Total recall. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it was pretty cool because we were talking about how uh, if somebody wants to spend $100 million to do like an exercise of remaking something, Monty and I are totally fine with that. And other people get all up in arms about redoing stuff or, quote-unquote, what did you say, ruining, ruining my childhood? Oh, yeah. People, man, <laughs> I even hear, like, I, I'm so sick of hearing, especially, like, there was, there's talk. I haven't seen anything for it, but I hear talk about n- a new Ninja Turtles by Michael Bay. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, was that true? I thought that was just, like, a rumor, uh, a stupid rumor. Uh, I mean, uh, just not even considering the Michael Bay stuff. It's just, like, the, the first thing people say about Transformers and, like, Ninja Turtles is, like, you're ruining my childhood. I'm like, oh, I'm so sick You know of what ruins that. my childhood? When I see girls on Halloween dressed up as, like, sexy Mickey Mouse and sexy, like, Big Bird and everything like that. That ruins my childhood. Go on. Anyways, <laughs> so 
I hate hearing when they ruin my childhood. Sexy Big Bird. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to picture it. And sexy Cookie Monster. Because, you know, like... Uh, cookie Mistress. We're, we're, we're so caught up in remaking things. Like, we, you know, we don't very much establish new IPs very often. Yeah. But do you think Avatar was a new IP? Because you were saying... I think so. I, yeah. I totally do. Because, yeah. um, like, you know, what, what was that thing where we're running out of nostalgia? Right? Right. For right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that... Um, I don't know. It's so hard to establish a new IP. We're just remaking stuff. And then when we remake stuff, people say, it's ruining my childhood. You know whose childhoods we're ruining by remaking stuff all the time? It's children's childhoods. Because they, they don't get new stuff. Current children. Yeah. If you look at, like, Power Rangers from 1999 compared to Power Rangers now, it's upsetting. Oh, I prefer not to look at either. <laughs> Why is it upsetting, though? Just because there's something so awesome about the original Power Rangers, and now no, it's just really no, cheesy. Was it? It, can, I, can I tell you what's awesome about it? Can I tell you what's awesome about it? Please it's because it existed when you were a kid. Yeah. And you hadn't seen anything else yet. Like, to me, Power, Ranger, true. Power Rangers, to me, is a shitty version of Voltron. I, I was, yeah, yeah. You know what? I was, like, the age where I was too old to watch Power Rangers, and I watched it anyways, and I decided to like it. But I can look back and say I also didn't like it. It was just like, eh, you know. I'm, I'm very forgiving about a lot of things, but, like, I liked, I was the biggest Ninja Turtle fan, uh, fan when I was, you know, I was that, about that age, you know, 10 years old, Ninja Turtle toys and everything. I look back and I'm like, why did I like this? It's like, Turtles. What, what, what do I get from this? You I know, like ninja. Turtles. It didn't even have... I like Turtles. <laughs> I remember it, it not even having that great action, looking back on it. And the Turtles movies, even worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's when you're a kid, everything's so much more awesome. And you know what? Uh, you know what? Let's... Uh, I mean, you can even My go back... God, no. What is that? Sexy Big Bird? No, this no, is Sexy Nemo. Sexy Finding Nemo? Sexy Nemo. <laughs> that is... I'm going to go cry. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. I can't think of anything worse than that. I'm sure you're trying to think of something that's worse. But if you even look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a franchise, the cartoon that everyone associates with, with the, you know, different colored headbands that identify the characters, that's not Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles was a dark and gritty graphic novel yeah, where they yeah. all had red headbands. Yeah. Even the color coding of the headbands yep. is something they made for kids. They took a, a gritty... It was essentially like a Daredevil parody is how it started. Like, if you look at the, how the ninjas, uh, the, how the turtles became the ninjas, it was essentially like Daredevil gets hit in the eyes with that radioactive canister that fell off the back of a truck, <laughs> and then the canister then rolls into the sewer and makes the Ninja Turtles. It's like a weird thing. It's like a connection between Daredevil and Teenage Mutant I've Ninja Turtles. I've never heard that wow, before. Wow, I've never heard that. Go look at the original origin story. So it was originally a graphic novel that was all black and white, and on the cover art, all the, all the Ninja Turtles had red... Bandanas or whatever you know, the masks. And, yeah. They weren't color coded. And wasn't there? They were trying to hide their identity. They didn't want people to know which walking <laughs> turtles yeah, that yeah. use ninja weapons they were. And, was it, and wasn't there like a group of ninjas in Daredevil called the Hand, and that's why they had the foot in Ninja Turtles? Maybe so. Maybe so. That would make sense. So the and the other thing too is that like the way you were supposed to differentiate between the turtles was by their weapons. Mm-hmm. So it was much more vi- way more violent. I mean, yeah. the kids think did they ever? They ate guy, pizza. One guy has a fucking sword and he's never stabbed anybody. <laughs> it's like why have the sword? You like even by accident you feel like you would have stabbed one of his friends. Give him a kendo sword, you know what I mean? <laughs> so he can at least hit people with the goddamn thing. Can't it's, tell you how many times I tried to make my own ninja turtle as a kid. What get, do you mean? What get do you a mean? pet turtle and try oh, to feed it things. Christ. Dude, I did that too. Just like what I talked about that once before. I would take mosquitoes oh, right. because I lived in yeah. Houston, and I would catch capture them. I'd bring them in the house, and I would microwave them for different amounts of time, and then release them back into the What's wild. Wrong with you? I was trying to make microwave mosquitoes. I was trying to make mosquitoes that would be mutated, <laughs> and they would kill the other mosquitoes in the world. <laughs> 
yeah, that is terrible. I, I feel like that's totally different than you. You fed, did you feed like fucked up shit to your turtle? Nah, I'm just I'm just fucking with you. Oh, did you? No, 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 no. no. Um, wait, there I never owned a turtle. I was I was joking too. Mosquitoes, no one cares about. Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. Turtles, people care about. All right, I'm gonna look at my. I'm not gonna. I whenever I talk about something that nobody else in the podcast knows about, I'm now worried that I'm just talking out of my ass. <laughs> we talked about me boiling gasoline on the stove. Yes, trying to trying to create napalm. Yeah, I was trying. I, I we downloaded the first purpose of the internet was to deliver this document called the Anarchist Cookbook, which told you how to make smoke bombs and real bombs yep. and napalm, and so which we will not link to, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, and so I very stupidly at thirteen. Am I making that noise? At thirteen, I downloaded this thing. I'm probably even thirteen, probably like eleven or twelve, and it told me how to make napalm. And I don't want to go into too many specifics because I don't want to give anybody a terrible idea. One step in this was boiling gasoline on the stove in a pot. Boiling gasoline. And you were 13. Or 12 or something. Yeah, somewhere about that age. And so I was boiling a pot of gasoline and my mom came home. And I wasn't smart enough to open the windows. She said the whole place smelled like a garage. The entire house. I wonder how long it took that smell to go away. I bet that would be just stuck in God. there. Do you think so, that's the dumbest thing you've ever done as a kid? That's that's the closest I come to seriously, like, I could have crippled myself entirely. I used to, also used to drive a motorcycle in high school, and one time I wrecked it, and I'm not sure how, but I laid it down, which I did a bunch. I wrecked this thing a lot, which is another reason I should have died. Um, yeah. Somehow, in laying it down, I popped the gas cap off the gas tank, oh. and I got showered in gasoline. I was covered head to toe gasoline. And my motorcycle is like sitting there on the like side. You and gas. I don't know. It's like laying on the side, sputtering, and I'm like, "What do I do? I can't." And I'm covered. Being covered in gas is a dangerous situation because yeah. any second, yeah. you're fucked up. And so I'm like, "How do I pick my bike up when I'm covered in gas?" So that's it's like a final a moment for final destination. Like you're covered in gas. You're like, oh, I survived the wreck, and then someone's driving by and they throw like a lit cigarette out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's probably in and then you see it in slow motion come and like land right next to you. My buddy Randy shows up with his magnifying glass and like. <laughs> Dude, have you ever seen any of the Final Destination movies? I've seen, like, one or two, I think. I saw the most recent one, which was, like, in 3D. I somehow got convinced to go see it. There's this one death where this girl dies from getting laser eye surgery. The laser just, like, shoots through her skin, and she, like, falls out a window, and it's, like... <laughs> That's really reaching at that I know. point. Wow. I, I was just sitting there laughing my ass off, and everyone's just like... How rude. Like, how does that, how does, from a writing perspective, how does that start? Do you think they sit down and try to come up with a list of deaths? They probably yeah. come and up with, like, the, the, get there? the most idiotic They come up with, I think they do, there's stuff that people are kind of naturally freaked out by. Like, escalators, laser yeah. eye. Did someone die by escalator? I, I, swear, I swear I saw it in a trailer of a guy getting eaten by an escalator yeah. or something. Yeah, uh, elevator. Someone gets eaten by an oh, elevator okay. in that movie. Okay. Did you guys see the Darwin Award winner for the last year? Uh, they still do that? Yeah. I don't think so. It was a guy, I think he's in Korea. And he's trying to make an elevator, and he's on a scooter, and the elevator doors shut. It's a, and they're, but it's like in a mall, so they're like glass elevator oh, doors. Oh, yeah, I did see and that. And he stops, and the elevator goes away, and I guess he just figures, I'm really mad about this. So he backs his uh, thing up and rams the, es- the elevator doors, then backs up and rams it again. Then backs up and rams again, goes through it, and falls down the elevator shaft. Yep. What? <laughs> and dies. really fucking mad about missing that elevator. <laughs> well, he's never going to miss an elevator again, so <laughs> wow. congratulations, dude. I wonder if he beat them down to the bottom, <laughs> to the first floor. All the way it's, just, it's just nuts. I mean, the guy just... <laughs> it's no he lost it. He yeah. completely People lost it. People do a lot of weird things out of anger. Then, I don't know why. I guess you're talking about the Darwin Awards when we think about the Razzies. Did you hear that? Jack and Jill won all ten Razzies this year? Wow, did it really? Did Adam Sandler show up to accept his award? No. But really? he won... The Razzie for Best Actress and Best Actor. Wow. Yeah, that's a complete... That's, that's a really total funny. victory. Yeah, it's a lot of victory. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, 
But so, uh, did I ever finish the story about the boiling the gasoline? So what really it caused a major rift in my house because my dad was a physicist. He worked on the super collider, and he was also a physics professor. And so, but I thought my, your dad was a priest. He well, he wasn't always. Obviously, if I exist, so my dad was a priest. And after it's weird because after after his you know turn of theology, then he became a scientist. I don't even I, honestly I don't even know that my dad believed in God after being a priest for two decades, more than that, two and a half decades. Wow, but um. Anyway, so we had the talk, the parent talk, where, like, my mom's in tears for, like, the entire day because she thought, you know, she almost was raising a 98% coverage burn victim, essentially, (laughs) from killing himself from boiling gasoline. And we sit down, and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I said, no, mom, I'm listening, listen, listen, listen. You know, it's gasoline, so you can boil it, and it won't explode until it gets to an open flame. Of course, I'm an idiot because the house was filled with fumes. Any spark in the house would have killed me. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm a kid and I'm stupid. And I and I said, you know, if it gets to an open flame, and we had an electric range in my house. We didn't have a gas range with fire, so we had an electric one. So I said, so, you know, I, there was really not much danger. You can boil gasoline without it igniting, but once it gets to an open flame, that's what causes the ignition. And she goes, she goes, what? And my dad goes, Technically, he is correct. <laughs> wow. I bet, I bet he was in trouble after that. He was in, he was in such big trouble. Did he trouble. come up to you after? He's like, good job, son. No, so he, no, he didn't. He was just, he was way too objective within that moment. Oh, wow. He so, should have just grabbed me by the neck and said, punch, punch, punch. <laughs> so, yeah, that, punch, like, punch. that that kind of started your obsession with gasoline. Like, your, your, your desire to not turn your engine off when you fill up with gas. Like, you still have these weird, <laughs> no, I'm connecting you, all these dots. You, you also, have, like, all these weird idiosyncrasies about gasoline. This, it could be. This isn't. Very similar, but you still also do that. What do you broil turkey for Thanksgiving? Oh, uh, we fry turkey in oil. <laughs> <laughs> you actually? Yeah, we we did we didn't uh, we did do it this year, didn't we? I did a jalapeno Man, turkey. You did it last year. I don't think you did it this year. Yeah, yeah, where you get like a big this big thing. And it's Barbara. I've it's, never celebrated American Thanksgiving. It's awesome. What is Canadian Thanksgiving? It's like Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving. Canadian good. Thanksgiving, I think, is a month earlier. Yeah, it's like the first week in November, I think. No, it's in October, I think. Oh, is it? Oh, it's October? It's Man, y'all are all fucked up over there. Yeah. It's that metric conversion. So you can, this year, you can celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving, <laughs> and then you can celebrate regular people's Thanksgiving a month later. You can and also 4th of July for the first time. Yeah, what is Canadian Independence Day? Do you have an Independence Day? July 1st. Do you have an Independence Day? Do y'all do all of our stuff just like a week earlier? Yeah. Is that your thing? It's Canada Day. It's actually called Canada Day, too. So it's not Independence Day, though. Like, so th- what happened July 1st? What does that commemorate? No, this is interesting. I just realized something. Canada doesn't have an independence day because they never gained independence. They were a colony, colony, a colony that became a commonwealth. Hmm. So what does Canada Day celebrate? Did it ever change hands between the French and the English, though? Uh, because there, there's a French, a big French component there. Barbara's like, I what's, gotta, what's I Canadian gotta go history? Yeah, she's got her phone. I just don't to, remember the year. Trying to figure out. You don't need to know the year. Just tell us the the general story. I gotta be. I gotta be correct in my. Come on, Siri, go faster. All right, obviously Barbara doesn't know shit about Canada. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not actually from Canada. It's all, it's all a lie. I'm busy looking up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Are you actually? I, I, I hope that all the screaming from the Achievement Hunter office next door isn't showing up in the podcast. I, I can hear it. I feel like it is. That's Michael screaming about something. I think, I don't think, I, I'm, I'm really squeaking on something down here. I'll figure out what it is. Um, I think they're doing a Let's Play next door. They're not doing a Rage uh, Quit, even though it sounds like they're doing a Rage Quit. I will read you the exact definition. Okay. Canada cool. Day is the National Day of Canada, a federal statutory holiday celebrating the anniversary of July 1st, 1867, enactment of the British North American Act, 1867, Constitution Act 1867, which united three British colonies into a single country called Canada. Okay. There we go. That's pretty boring. 
So it's like Canadians, <laughs> Canadians all get together. We just we just get together and get drunk, basically. In yeah. red and white. Barbara Barbara is so happy right now. She was she has received. I don't know who sent it to you, but she has a can of Tim Hortons coffee. Yes. And you have no idea how important this is to Canadians. It's like Tim Tim Hortons coffee grounds. So it, you make your own. Um. It's yeah, ground coffee. Nice. It's like heaven sent to me. I love Tim Hortons, and I'm sure every Canadian listening will relate. It's like our national pride, basically, other than hockey. They love Tim Hortons yeah, coffee. they do. I, the first time I went to Toronto, I went with you. I got dragged to that fucking Tim Hortons <laughs> to get coffee and Timbits. Timbits, right. Which right, are little, right. they're donut holes. And ice caps. People like to feed people ice caps. Oh, yeah, I think I got ice caps. That's what we were given was ice caps yeah. and Timbits. And it was a very important introduction for us into Canadian culture. Yeah. So I, I, I want to take a step back here for a second. What is it about July? How many other countries have independence or celebrations like that in July? Because, like, off the top of my head, like, now that I know Canada, there's the United States, uh, France has Bastille Day. Right. Which was, I think, you know, the week after, what, like, July 10th or so. Mm -hmm. Like, is there something about the summer months that incites people to revolution? Maybe they'll just go outside more. Let's find out, because then we'll find out if, uh, like, if there's an Australia Day, is it in the winter? Winter? Yeah, or the equivalent of our winter, yeah. I mean, I, and I know there's there's some things that disprove that. That's how it's true. Like, you know, the most recent Arab Spring happened, obviously, in the spring. Um, but I wonder how much of an effect... Maybe it's just a coincidence. Effect, is it? Maybe. It seems weird. I wonder how much of an effect weather has on people's, you know, like, mental state and well-being, and That's whether really or not it contributes to regime change. Australia Day, formerly known as Anniversary Day or Foundation Day... This should be, like, January, if it's equivalent. ...is the official national day of Australia, celebrated annually... On January 26th. Look at that. What is that? What is that? (laughs) The day commemorates the arrival of the first fleet at Sydney Cove in 1788 and the proclamation at the time of British sovereignty over the eastern seaboard of New Holland. I think we're on to something. We are. I think people just want a holiday and they want it in the summer, so they just pick whatever the hell they (laughs) want. Yeah, but it's based on on, historic events, It's based on revolutions and people being pissed off. Right. It does does show up. What what I'm saying is over the course of the first year... Of a country, you can cherry pick a date that'll fall into the summer. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of shit that went down that you could say is this was important. Mm-hmm. Ours is obviously a document was signed, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a big one. But we could very well declare, like they did, was the day that the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock as being true. You know, the first day. But you know? I mean, ours is revolution. The day, the day that. Yeah, it is true. I mean, well, I, I also know. now think about it, Mexico. If you think about it, you know, September 16th. It's at the end of summer, but it's still because that marks the end of the war, not the beginning. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. It's yeah, it's weird. May says hot summer months, man. People are upset. I can't imagine how stinky that the Continental Lord Congress Lord. or like that, like all those dudes in that room writing, you know, With their the, wigs on and writing the Declaration suits. of Independence. Yeah. yeah, I think about that sometimes. I thought I was the only one who. I, I, I wonder sometimes how much the past stank. Like these dudes <laughs> probably didn't shower every They're day probably either. Used to it too. Yeah, but if, like if you time travel, like that's something you don't think about. Imagine if you time travel back to the time, like oh, I'm going to get to see the Declaration of Independence signing. You walk in and you're like, what the fuck, people? <laughs> Take some showers. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it was fucking rank. I think I don't know why I think about this a lot. It's like the first land party, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> they were all getting together and writing back then because of the video game. <laughs> all I know. Speaking is that- of which, we're going to Pax East. Yes, yes. we should probably talk about that. Our panel is Friday at 1 p.m. in the main theater. It, was it Pax East? We literally segued from stinky, smart, pe- no, no, no. smart guys. To <laughs> stinky, smart guys. To stinky, yeah, smart guys. Yeah. And uh, our booth is booth number 160. Yes. Oh, and we, are, we have yet to make an announcement about it, but there's an important thing about our booth 
that is is part of our anniversary week. We haven't talked about the fact that we're nine years old. Nine years old. Woo! Yeah. What is that, third grade? Uh, that is third grade, yeah. How old were you, Barbara, when you joined? I uh, was 15. 15 years old when, when you joined I the When I signed site. up on the website? I was 23, I think. Maybe. I was 50. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I, backwards. I actually was telling Barbara uh, that there was a couple times when I almost removed her account. Yep. Why? Oh, really? Why? Yeah, you because know, she was... She was below our age oh. uh, limit at the time. Do you, I don't know if you had an age limit no, back then. I think it was it was nebulous. It used to be thirteen. I think initially it started at sixteen and then went to thirteen. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. yeah. Like we oh. followed like the the rules of like common social media rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was a couple times. First, I almost removed her account because I thought it was fake. Yeah, because she put up a bunch right. of pictures, pictures of a girl stuff. on this website, which is very unusual. <laughs> yeah, and it was, she was suddenly like everybody's friend all of a sudden, and we've had had one or two fake accounts like that. No, one or two. Yes, <laughs> it has happened. One or two thousand. Um. Anyway, so uh, so as part of PAX East, we're going to be doing something cool at our booth that ties in very closely to the podcast. And it's an announcement about some stuff that we're working on that ties into the beta and some other stuff. We couldn't we possibly be more vague. So enjoy. Yeah. I, but it is related to the podcast. It's yes. coming soon. This is something that we've been working towards and working on for months now. Right. People are going to hear this on Wednesday, and we're going to talk about it on either Thursday or Friday this week, because Barbara's in charge of the schedule of when the announcements are Yes, on the on the front page, and so it'll be either Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Wait, what is it? <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> almost. It almost fooled me. But yeah, if you're going to be at PAX East, you will see it. Booth number 160. 160. Right next to Mega 64. Like always. <laughs> Shut up. Um. <laughs> you know what that reminds me because you say shut up when people sneeze yeah um, the thing that I've probably watched more than anything else like, like you were talking about watching RVB a hundred times yeah I have probably watched Seinfeld in total completion more than anything than, than I've watched anything mm-hmm. ever and I'm always amazed when I find a new episode of Seinfeld that I have never seen before like oh, occasionally yeah. it's one that they just don't hear typically from the first season when it was fucking terrible yeah it was awful <laughs> Did you know when the waitress talked and was like a character when, when Kramer was a guy who never left his apartment and he wasn't called Kramer what was he called Kessler yeah Kessler, Kessler. what yeah. the fuck man? what you know that? Oh, no. I think that's only yeah. in the pilot, right? That's not it's in the, the pilot, yeah. yeah. The pilot episode. I'm not sure Elaine was in the pilot either. No, because yeah. the character was the waitress, was the female character right. in the pilot. The one, and it was a totally different coffee shop. Yeah. And it was terrible. It looked like the set of uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. Max's diner. Diner that you did. So I've looked up, I've looked up Independence Days <laughs> for all the countries. Okay. And I'm just going to read off dates. Uh, Afghanistan is August 19th, <laughs> summer. Okay. Uh, Angola... It's always summer. In Algeria is July 5th. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, Antigua. This is breaking the trend. That's near the what? equator, though. It's I, November 1st. Bernie, okay. are you going to go down this alphabetically? I'm not. I'm just looking at things. <laughs> July 5th is Cape Verde. Where the fuck is Cape Verde? That's... They won their independence from Portugal. How hard could that be? <laughs> Let's be honest. It's like a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what year it happened. There, 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 were certain, there were certain centuries where Portugal was a fucking badass. How does Cape Verde declare independence from Portugal? It's just like basically you unfriend them on it's Facebook. So, <laughs> That's yeah. it. It's like, all right, peace out. <laughs> Look, Spain is my friend. <laughs> Don't talk to them. <laughs> Make them choose sides. <laughs> so, I, 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 when you mentioned Algeria, it made me think about this. Um, what? This is blew my mind. Cuba, Cuba's Independence Day is May twentieth. Cuba declared independence from what country? Uh, what? I don't know. The United States. I guess we had Batista in power? 
So, Cuba, but Cuba, Cuba was a United States territory. It wasn't a territory. I think I thought we were just propping up Batista, like you know, as was the style at the time. Cuba, Cuba, independence from the United States, ninety-two. This is according to Wikipedia, so yeah. this could be written by. You know, Someone could have just added that right now. Yeah, that's true. While listening to the podcast, <laughs> while listening to us record it. Um, oh, look, the Philippines declared independence from Philip. <laughs> Um, So I did that uh, Have you ever heard of that 23andMe thing? No It's a service It's a website Where you can You pay them And then you They send you a little vial You spit into it And then they sequence your DNA Okay And then they give you Like information about yourself And it's called 23andMe Yeah for 23 chromosomes Gotcha Uh, Or 23 chromosome pairs And so I did it they sent me the, the tube, I spit into it, and then they tell you, like, where your ancestry comes from, what diseases you're at risk for, what diseases you're not at risk for, and what kinds of drug interactions you'll have with various pharmaceuticals. Get out of here. Wow. It's really cost? interesting. It's, uh, it's like 99 bucks for the test, but then you have to sign up for a one-year subscription, so total it's about 200 bucks. Oh, Why do you have to sign up for a subscription? What are they... Because they, keep, they, they, they continue to do research and send you new information. genes... Change? It's just a way for them to give you to, to milk more money out of it. Yeah, basically. Twenty three and me. Wow. Uh, but it's really fascinating. So I found out that uh, my, my my paternal lineage from my father is from North Africa. Really? Morocco and Algeria. No wonder you don't look like yeah. Mexican. So I guess from the they said the very specific, very specifically from the Berbers. <laughs> They're known for their carpet. <laughs> 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 uh, so I thought it was it was really fucking fascinating. Bye bye. You should check it out. I should do that because actually, my like my parents are adopted, so I, we don't really know where they're from. My, yeah. my mom's adopted. If, yeah. yeah. If you're a female, it kind of sucks because you don't have a Y chromosome, so you can't really trace your paternal lineage. Right. But if you're a dude, it rocks. Damn it. Awesome. So you should check it out. I'm gonna go after this. I'll show you the breakdown and everything. Did you know that calico cats are patterned that way because they're all female because the color gene is on the X chromosome and it has to choose which one to randomly to express. Like, one becomes dominant and one mm-hmm. becomes Wait, obsessive, essentially? Calico, the orange ones or the... No, they're the spotted ones. The spotted, white ones okay. with the blue, the gray, or the brown and the black spots. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So this is my... Mm. When I was a pre-med student, this is something I learned about. So, And so all calico cats are, are um, female. And so if they... So they, the X chromosomes, so they have the double chromosomes, same, the just randomly has to choose which one to express, and so that's why they end up with the pattern that mm. they have. So I also learned that all white cats are deaf. I think that's right. What? Deaf? Most white cats are deaf. Weird. I'm gonna look that. Make sure it's not urban legend, though. Okay. How does that even work? Well, it might. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even gonna try to explain it. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, I, I, I type out white cats are dead, and I got a really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Deaf white cats. Deaf odd-eyed white cats. Deaf white cats are domestic cats with a pure white coat. Some white coats suffer from congenital deafness caused by degeneration of the inner ear. Condition associated with white cats with blue irises. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Well, this is really weird. So you know, there's a lot of uh, cats that have uh, what is it, heterochromia in the eyes, where mm-hmm. one eye is green and one eye is blue. Mm-hmm. The ear on the blue side is deaf. Really? So is this a problem associated with blue-eyed cats? Or what? I guess white blue-eyed cats are deaf. Wow. I have something to tell you. I'm deaf on both the- ears. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> this condition is associated with blue irises in white cats with mixed-colored eyes. It has been found that deafness is more likely to affect the ear on the blue-eyed side. That is so weird. That that cat, I saw, look how derpy that cat looks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a derpy looking cat. Man, I saw a video uh, not too long ago where they, they found this kid in China, I think. He has cat eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like where the pupil kind of goes... Like, no, no. no. Like his, he can see in the dark. He can see in total darkness. What the... F- 
Like a cat. It's crazy. It's and, like, and, 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 and his eyes are reflective. He has pure night vision. How did that even happen? It's, you know like it's like what Bernie used to say, that if there's going to be a superhero, right. it's, it's going to come from like China or India. It's got to, probability-wise. One third of the population lives next door to each other yeah. in two different countries. If we have a genetic mutation, it's coming out of one of those countries. Wow. Mark your words. Now, you said they're reflective. I read the same story. People were noting that they never showed the reflectiveness of his eyes. Like a cat, when you catch him in the headlights, their eyes glow. They're saying the kid does the same thing. But they never demonstrated. But they never show the picture. Yeah. No. They no, never no. I saw a video, and it was you could you could see it. Like you, they put him in the dark, and then you look at him. I forget what the YouTube video is, but it was on YouTube, and there was like a news report about him. Mm-hmm. Showing him in the dark. Really that would be so fucking awesome. But I mean, does it? I, I, I don't remember the specifics of the article. Does he have poor daylight vision or anything? Is there like a, a side effect? To no. It? They, they, he was completely normal. He just could see in the dark. He just had cat eyes. Yeah. Wow. He sharpens his fingernails on the couch, but other than that, <laughs> he's perfectly normal. Have you ever seen that video of that cat barking? Yeah. And then it, when it realizes the camera's there, it starts, starts meowing. That's probably one of the best videos. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 There's cats here. No dogs. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Do you think it was like talking shit to the neighborhood dogs? Yeah. Like pretending to be a dog? Right. Just like spying right. or something? Exactly. I love when animals get caught doing stuff. Like, I love when an animal trips and it's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it has the same reaction that people have, where it like, looks around like, what? Did anybody see that? It just tries to nonchalantly walk away. Yeah. Man, there's a brutal video that I saw because animals probably don't want to be seen tripping because <laughs> they'd be tripping. <laughs> because they see me tripping, they hate. <laughs> oh, jeez. But have you seen the video of the buffalo escaping from the wolves? Buffalo skin from the wolves. <laughs> it's just, it is, it is herd evolution or, or the herd mentality in action where there's a buffalo and they're all escaping from these wolves and one of them is lagging a little bit and another buffalo comes over and knocks it over. Oh, yeah, yeah. It like just tramples that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, yep, you're getting this guy. Yeah, and then so the, and then the rest of the herd just runs off. Yeah. Wow. It, yeah. It makes Sacrifice. Me, makes me think of that other video, that awesome one where the lions attack the buffalo and then the alligators get involved and the buffalo come back and attack the lions. <laughs> it's all over this one baby buffalo. Yo, have never seen this? No. The lions attack the baby buffalo, right? Right. And then they get it too close to the water and the alligator's like, we want it on this. <laughs> so they like, get up. And they start trying to fight the alley, the lions for the baby buffalo. And then the mother buffaloes, or the adult buffaloes, yeah. come back and are like, fuck everybody. And we want, our, we want our buffalo back. And they go beat the shit out of the lions and the alligators and get their baby back. Wow. Like, one of them, I think, like, headbutts a lion and, like, sends it flying in the air. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. It's like a ten minute long video, but oh it's, like, God. so riveting. Have you ever seen uh, the Planet Earth series? Yeah. I've seen, I mean, not all of it. That's not really all long, right? There's, a, there's definitely a lot of video of, like, actual, like... People, not people, obviously. Animals, like, killing each other and really epic battles. Pretty like sad. That. It's awesome. Yeah, but there's some of it that's kind of like... There's one where it's like, they must film... Is it a... Is it a hyena chasing another animal? Or maybe, I want to say, like, a deer uh. or a gazelle? It, that thing must chase the gazelle, like, three fucking miles. Yeah. It's like, it's just not going to I think there's up. one of wolves attacking elephants. Wolves attacking wolves elephants? Or, I forget elephants. if it's actual wolves. It's something attacking elephants <laughs> where they, like, try to take down the elephant and they actually, like catch a little baby elephant that would probably be hyenas probably probably yeah. no, wolves in, no wolves in africa right? i don't know i don't know about that but i think of wolves as being like a north american thing maybe it was hyenas i don't know it was something if you had to encounter one animal in the wild what would be the one animal that you wouldn't want to let's not let's, take, let's oh, keep it on land let's keep it on land <laughs> there's a lot there's i have to pick one what's the worst one my big fear and i don't, I don't know why i'm always afraid of 
wild cats, like yeah, I was gonna, mountain lions. I would say tiger. Like if you yeah, ran into like a tiger, yeah, or, or tigers, yeah. Tiger. Dude, Monty, I saw an animal online, a picture of an animal that you would love. What? It's basically half leopard, half black panther, wow. and it's like the leopard spots like fade Wait, into but black. Wait, isn't, isn't oh. a panther just a leopard that's covered entirely in spots? Is that what it is? No, I think they're, I think they're distinct. I think there's more differences. Uh. But they're both, I mean, they're both so similar. <laughs> they're both cats, big cats. What, what about you? What's your, what's your most feared animal? Um, I probably... Tigers are fucking... Fa- they can jump like 20 feet in the air. Yeah. I probably would not... You know, I, I, I could fight any animal kind right. of thing. That's because I feel like I'm smarter than any, any animal. I would not want to fight a, probably a pack of chimps, or I would not... Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> or individually, I would not want to fight a silverback gorilla. Yeah. I would not, I would avoid that if I could. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one, too. Yeah, because it's smart, and it's got basically the same maneuvers that I do. I would not want to fight But way stronger. Oh, Yeah. And way meaner. Like, yeah. yeah. And piranhas? Piranhas. We said keep it on land. Yeah, but I just had to bring that up because piranhas are fucking creepy as hell. <laughs> I don't know if I'd rather be in the water with a shark have or a whale. Ever, have you guys ever been bitten by a dog? Like, just... Um, yeah, I've been bitten by a dog. I'm sure as a kid I must have. Dog does, dogs don't scare me at all. I don't give a shit about dogs. Like, even, like, Rottweilers? No. I'm not scared of a dog. I remember I had to wrestle a Rottweiler away once. You did? Did <laughs> you actually? Yeah. I, it, I think it bit me on the arm. I was pro- I was really small, but... It, was, it sucked, because then you have to get disinfected yeah. and stuff. And I think people have always misinterpreted my comment here that I've made about fighting animals, <laughs> is that I'm not saying I can... Someone misinterpreted your comment on a podcast? <laughs> Go figure. I'm not saying a lot of times I could oh, beat I remember one time I could oh, not be hurt by the animal. I remember, I'm saying I could survive. Like, okay. I, I could keep the animal from I killing I did me. one time. I think I must have been, like, 11. I smacked the dog with my skateboard. What? Why did you do that? It was chasing me. Oh. Uh. <laughs> You were being attacked. I meant just like you change that story to I defended myself with <laughs> yeah. my skateboard okay. as opposed to like smack. I was being mauled by a dog <laughs> and fought it off with my skateboard. I'm trying to find this uh, this this animal for you that I. So saw. what's a land animal, Barbara? Not counting piranhas, you you would that not would... want to fight. What's your most feared land animal? Most feared land animal. Because we're gonna get one in the cage and put it by your desk. Okay. <laughs> um, probably I'd probably have to agree with you guys. Some sort of giant cat, like a. Tiger. Actually, after Bernie said like gorillas, that's pretty scary too. Do you remember? Like there but, are some pretty. Horrible. But I feel like. Wow, cool. that's cool. That's really cool looking. The, the problem with a cat, though, versus a gorilla, it's the like reason I, I say cat panther. is you could be getting stalked for a long time and not know it. Yes. A gorilla, you generally know if it's there and where it's coming from. A tiger will, or a cat will wait. Sneak up on you. Sneak up and on counts. you and you wouldn't even know. I also wouldn't want, in the same sense, I would not want to be like in the Amazon and have like a giant python drop on me. Oh, That shit. would suck balls yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. That, that would be pretty bad. So what is like, we last time we talked about like what's your crazy... Dream of like, what's the thing that you like? If you have completed everything else in life, you'll do this. What is it? What is like your most irrational fear? Like you worried could happen to you. I've learned not to discuss my fears at <laughs> <Really>? this office. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. I feel like someone's going to sabotage me if I say anything. I think Gus's fear is sabotage. What is your? Do you I'm afraid of tigers, and I'm pretty confident that you all cannot get a tiger. So I feel safe saying that. You get a tiger. <laughs> I think I'm going to write a short with a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> My most irrational fear? I don't know if I really have one. But on Halloween, sexy tigers. That's fun. Sexy yes. Sexy tigger. Sexy Nemo. Were you scared of, like, Tigra on the Thundercats? No, no, that's totally different. <laughs> or was it Tigra? Wait, wait, wait. No, it's Chitara. Chitara. What's, what's, Tigra was a uh, Avenger <laughs> in uh, Marvel Comics. What was the name of the guy? with the Lion-O? No, Lion-O. This is Tiger Guy. He had the, like, the Bolo whip. Not Panthro. It's the other guy. Panthro, Chitara... Lino and him. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't watch much Thundercats. I didn't watch Thundercats. Thundercats. Yeah, guy. Yeah. I was thinking, Michael was walking around here today with a Thundercat shirt on. I thought yeah. that was pretty yeah. interesting. Michael has a lot we of We need to come shirts. up with new stuff. 
So God damn it. <laughs> Seriously. You know, there's a there's a is it a CG or a live action Thundercats clip for something they made and CG, it's online? I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hyper realistic Thundercats and yeah. it just looks weird. I think they uh, it was from a canceled project, right? It was something that was going to be worked on and then got canned and the animator who worked on it put it out as a demo reel. Yeah, and I never heard of that growing up and I think like as a kid I'd be like, "Wow, you know, I was so into Thundercats, like that would be a big deal." Um Wait, people can do that? Like can projects? No, it got it got taken down. Like um, he was not supposed I, to put I that thought out. so cuz yeah. there's stuff I can't post yeah. from stuff I've worked on. I saw something the other day that blew my mind. Um, and I want to get back to your fear in a second here, Barbara. I want to hear this. But somebody posted – I never knew this existed. Did you read The Far Side, Gary Larson's The Far Side? Yeah, of course. Mm. Did you know there was two TV specials made, fully animated, hour-long TV specials by him? No. That were Far Side TV specials? No. I never that heard that. the one that. with the penguin? What well, they, have, they have a lot of – 1998. 98? Yeah. And they're online, and you can watch the Far Side TV special. I've – what? I never heard of it. I never wait, heard wait, of it. Wait, 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 wait. Was, was there a penguin in that? Yeah, there was one with penguins. Was he, well, the one, wasn't there a Christmas one with him? What? what? Far side. So confused right now. Television. You blew my mind. Podcast Show. listeners who have no idea what this is, I'm there with you. Tales from the Far Side, 1994. So I was a little bit wrong. But still, 94. I mean, that's. When you said that, that sounds a little more familiar. But no, I, 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 there's no way I saw that. I would remember that. Yeah, you watch it, and it's 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 the Far Side. It's an animated version of the Far Side wow. cartoon, which probably. How do you take one panel and make twenty two minutes out of it? I don't know. You know, it's really weird too. Calvin and Hobbes gets a ton of credit oh, of being like the penultimate comic strip. I love Calvin. The Far Side is was tremendous. I mm-hmm. mean, it was a one panel comic, and they were all fucking winners. Mm-hmm. It was a brilliant, absurd cartoon. I love both of those yeah. comics growing up, and they both ended about the same time. Yeah, within a year or two of each other. Yeah. I hate those stickers I see of Calvin peeing on shit. It's like, I know. Why do people make that? Yeah. The guy who made Calvin and Hobbes really hates him. Yeah. Because he never licensed it in any way. Really? If you ever see a Calvin and Hobbes product, it's bootleg. <sighs> he never licensed He never licensed Calvin and Hobbes to anybody. T-shirts? Nope. Like if you see a T-shirt for sale on the mall, he never licensed it. <laughs> Only books. That's it. Wow. That's it. That sucks. I had a girlfriend in college. She actually made a, uh, a Hobbes that was like a ragdoll Hobbes. But then you could turn it inside out, and it was the like live Hobbs, like the, oh, the that's fuzzy cool. hair. Yeah. That's really cool. And I thought, man, this would be an awesome fucking product. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so it was smooth on one side, like the doll in the thing, and then you could flip it and it turns into like the, 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 the teddy bear, like live Hobbs. Yeah. You know, it was it was still teddy bear, obviously. Yeah. Didn't come to life. Just <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. clear. Well, that's awesome. Did you guys see the trailer? Speaking of that, did you see the trailer for Seth MacFarlane's movie Ted? No. No. Oh wait. So Maybe I caught the last three seconds of it in the Achievement Hunter office. Oh, did you really? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, pretty... Is this an animated movie? No, it's, it's sort of. It kind of sort of. So it's got an animated character in it, uh-huh. but it's a like Mark Wahlberg live action movie. And as a kid, he had a wish, and he wished that his teddy bear would come to life. And now he has to live with his teddy bear for the rest of his life. As like this, it's like his buddy, and it's kind of like his loser friend that like just lives with him. <laughs> oh, wow. Teddy bear. It's <laughs> his teddy bear. That sounds like a funny concept. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty funny concept, you know. And so. You know, he wasted his wish. But it's not really, like, the trailer doesn't really discuss that too much. It's all just, like, this guy living, who lives with a teddy bear, and everybody just kind of accepts it. And like, the no teddy way. bear's been there through, like, college, puberty. Yeah, totally cool. Wow. And, like, the girlfriend's like, hey, can you get your, can you get Ted to move out? Like, she doesn't like him, so it's, like, coming between him and his lifelong friend, you know, and, like, the struggles of that. Yeah. <laughs> and his friend is just like... That sounds funny. It is. It does. It is. And Seth MacFarlane plays Ted, the teddy bear. But it could be, like, a... It's like basically like a Seth Rogen type character. Where he's like so does he sound like Brian or does he sound like Stewie? He sounds like <laughs> Stewie a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So who plays the guy? 
Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. And then his girlfriend is Mila Kunis. Oh, nice. I'll watch, that, I'll watch that movie. I'll watch that movie, too. I like Mila Kunis. But yes, I like I think everybody <laughs> likes Mila Kunis just a little no bit. No problem. We've, we've talked about her before in the podcast. Yeah, yeah she's, she's going to come on, right? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> oh, right. Right. Because if you just mention it, then it happens. Yeah. If, you say, if you say her name enough, she'll show up. Yeah. <laughs> just like Satan. Invite her to prom or something. <laughs> so what is your what is your biggest fear? Your My irrational biggest fear. fear. I don't know if I have any irrational fears or like just... I, like, I'm pretty normal in my fears. Yeah? I When I was a kid, I was really afraid of fire because we were shown a video in school about house fires and how, like, it happens to, like, one out of every three people or something like that. So I was just, like, I had nightmares about our house burning mm. and me being on fire, but that's totally gone now. And I'm a little bit afraid of, like, mutated humans. <laughs> like, all these all these movies I see, like... Like, what, like, what do you mean mutated humans? Like, define this for me. Like zombies. I don't mean to laugh. I mean, it's like just a genuine fear you have, but it's like crazy the stuff that your brain it's, picks it's up. Because would you, would you, it's possible. Would you freak out if you saw someone with six fingers on their hand? No, not not that kind of mutation. Not like a normal mutation. I mean, like, like a, zombified, okay. like, rabid kind of, they're going to eat me kind of human. <laughs> okay. That I'm really afraid of, because that, to me, seems like it's possible in the future. Okay. What's your rational fear? Oh, it's hard to say. I guess I'm kind of just afraid of, in general, like, end of the world stuff. Like... A giant solar flare wipes out the planet. Yeah, like the actual possible cataclysms. Yeah, yeah. Like the stuff you never see coming. Well, it's like we were talking earlier about the planets. It's like as crazy, like you have all these silly like sci-fi movies like The Machines Rise, you know, or zombies climb out of graves or whatever. Theoretically, it is, it is on the scale of probability. It right. could happen that aliens could show up. And tomorrow we're at war fighting aliens. And the world is entirely different. And then the day after that we're... All dead. I guess I kind of like pretty much. I think I'm afraid. Hit us with some kind of neuron ray, and I mean, we all just like get paralyzed, right, yeah. and starve to death. Yeah. I, so I guess you could say I'm afraid of the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what if they show up and going back tied into our other conversations? They show up and they don't recognize us as life. Yeah. yeah. Like there's yeah. something else, and they just do something to the world that destroys it for us. But to them, it's like eh, whatever. There's nothing on there anyway. Yeah. They, there's nothing because they can recognize it. They just I, come here to harvest energy, or, right? I, mean, I worry. Energy. I worry a lot about the future <laughs> in general because of. Not just for myself. I mean, just future generations. Like, what do they have going for them? You know, what what is your kid? What are your kids looking forward to, and stuff? And what kind of future are they going to have? Well, my kid specifically is looking forward to Halo Four. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got that going. He's got he's got attainable goals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The uh, my my big irrational fear, like that, that's like in, inside the realm of possibility, besides zombies, um, is that something will go wrong and I will end up in prison. Because I don't want to go to prison. I live a life where it's like, I have no reason to go to that prison. That is what you're most yeah. afraid of. Just like, That's fucked up. That would suck. There's yeah. that dude up in... Barbara, look at me. Please don't do anything. There's a guy up in Round Rock who just got released from prison after being in prison for 25 years because they thought he killed his wife. And then they and just realized didn't. that he didn't. Oh, my God. You haven't heard this? There's a big controversy that the prosecutors covered up evidence and didn't provide evidence that would have acquitted him to the defense. How is it possible? How is it possible we don't read more stories of revenge? Like, like I would fucking kill everybody associated with my trial yeah, if they like, took away twenty five years. After of my they life. sentenced him and they're like taking him to jail, he's like handcuffed and he's like to the television camera, saying, "Please don't do this. Please don't do this. I didn't do it." Wow. Jeez. Oh my god, that's so sad. Look, look, there was a story just posted on Reddit, and I, it probably got to the top of Reddit for other reasons. But um, there was a guy who was just released. Ba, 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 ba. Enter the morbid uh, re- part of the podcast. Uh, this is not so. This is not really morbid. I mean, this is kind of a fucked up deal that ties to a lot of other issues. Let's not get into. But um, here's the headline: Woman won't face charges after admitting she lied about her father raping her. A 23 year old Washington woman who admitted she lied when she said her father raped her won't be facing any charges. 
Kennedy, who said she lied because she was disappointed her father after her parents' divorce, said it was guilt that finally compelled her to come forward to police and admit that she lied that her father raped her as an 11-year-old. Um, Thomas Edward Kennedy, Cassandra's father, denied the allegations at the time, but was convicted in a jury in 2002 and has been in prison for 15 years. 15 years. So he just got out of 15 years because his 11-year-old daughter was mad at him. What? Uh, oh my god! It's pretty fucked up. That's pretty fucked up. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good fear to have. Yeah. Going to prison for no reason. Yeah. Go, going to prison. My my wife had the best. She has the best irrational fear ever. What is it? And she 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 stuck with it for. She said this to me like seven years ago, and I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> Her irrational fear is she doesn't want to see a ghost. Okay. Okay. She doesn't want to see a ghost because. She doesn't believe in ghosts, and if she sees a ghost, that means she's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, that's interesting logic. So I said, so your fear is that you'll go crazy. She goes, no, I'm afraid I'll see a ghost. (laughs) So you're afraid of ghosts. No, ghosts don't exist. If I see a ghost, that means I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) What? We'll go down the chain for that, yeah. It's like, why not be afraid you're going to see a walking shark? Because that means you're crazy. <laughs> it's, it might just be Jabberwocky. Uh, she, she's, Jaw, sorry. she's deathly afraid of ghosts, of seeing a ghost, because that means she's, that means she's crazy. crazy. Okay. I, and your wife also thought that all male dogs should wear pants. She does still think that. <laughs> she, thinks she doesn't like seeing dog junk. <laughs> oh, jeez. So she thinks all male dogs should have to wear pants. What about pants? like a banana hammock? Banana <laughs> hammock. <laughs> Did that influence your new dog choice, being a girl? No. No, we just, no? that was a really good dog. Okay. okay. So. Yeah. All right, well, we need to wrap wait, wait, this up. Wait, wait, We didn't even talk about packs. Like, what are we showing? Uh, so we are going to show very cool stuff at packs. We're going to have announcements to upcoming shows. Uh, we are also going to talk about Red vs. Blue Season 10, uh, possibly release dates, and maybe even show you some badass stuff bum, bum. that Monty and crew have been working on, which yeah. is really, 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 really awesome. And and crew is right now busting ass. Busting yes. ass. They are awesome. They are, they, are, they are in the studio just kicking ass. I did the previous uh, busting of the last few months, but now I can relax a bit. It's new to me, having a crew. I know you're actually not at you're not asleep and you're not at your desk. You're yeah. like, it, you like you There's know what you're A now. to B. You I, have to venture I, out to C. I actually get to do stuff like exercise and <laughs> the, the, like dance dance revolution. The animation department went from Monty to then Monty and Seb last year, where Monty had an assistant that worked with him, Seb. Yep. And now this year it's nine people total that yeah. work in the animation department. Yes, sir. And let me tell you, it shows. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It really shows. I saw some stuff. Yeah. It looks amazing. I've intentionally avoided looking at anything. It's awesome. Because I don't want to see it until I, until it's it's more polished. Are we allowed to say who's all going to be at PAX? Sure, why not? I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I it's a I lot of fucking it's, people. It's going to be us four. Who do we have? Us, Bernie, me, Monty. Carrie. Carrie. Gavin. Matt. Gavin. Kathleen. Mike, Michael's going, but not as a work. Not, not, not as an employee. Not as an employee. Michael and, and Lindsay will be there walking around. I believe Brian will be there. Brian, Brian. will be there. And not a lot of people have met Brian. Brian Beam. Yes, he is our art director. So if you designer. want to Graphic see the designer. ensemble of Rooster Teeth, or half of what it is currently. And if you want to see something very cool related to the podcast, it will be at PAX. Although well. people can't get passes, apparently, this late, because it's what, this weekend, and... Yeah, we're probably sold out. I think they sold out. I think they sold out. I know they announced the last of their Friday passes last week, and I think those are gone now. Show up in a costume. They will let you in. Yes. Right? That is true. That's the for everything. Um, so, again, our panel is at 1 p.m. in the main theater Friday. First, it's the keynote. 
Then Mike and Jerry warm up the crowd for us. <laughs> and then it's us at 1 p.m. in the main theater. If you keep making that joke, we're going to lose our spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great spot. It's a... It's a prime spot. It is. It's amazing that that, that, that we get such a good spot at the theater. And it's I'm like, always so grateful that we're programmed oh, so well. Yes. It's like being a major league closer, basically. Yeah. You know? It's awesome. You get to come in and, like, after, you know, Gabe and Tycho and the keynote have, like, basically won the game. And, like, we're just here to make sure it doesn't completely fuck up. Yeah. You know? We got to throw, like, eight pitches. That's it. And we're yeah. off. But we have some very, very, very cool stuff to show. Same yes. place as last year, the new Heinz Center in Boston? I think so. Yes, the yes. BCEC, yes. Oh, Our yeah. panel is, once again, Friday, what time? 1 p.m. Main Theater. Oh. Remember that, Friday, 1 p.m., so it's early on Monday, or Friday. So if you yep. want to... If you want to get in and see what we're showing, the RBB stuff, that's where we're going to be showing it, is at our panel. We are so going to eat lobster when we get there. And come buy stuff and from our booth. Then we're going to eat lobster. Monty had the best, like, where are we going for lunch? We're going to eat lobster, apparently. <laughs> okay, once again, word of, word of warning here. Monty, Barbara, thank you for joining us. Gus and I are about to start a Mass Effect spoiler cast, where we will be talking about the Mass Effect franchise, including the ending of the most recent game. I will be listening to that. So don't be. listen if you're not interested. And joining us on that will be someone associated with Red vs. Blue as well. Uh, one of our new writers, Eddie Rivas. Mm-hmm. And he'll be joining us via Skype to talk about it as well. And before also, we go. We'll, we'll bring Adam in as well. Okay, we will tell you before we start. Barbara, one more thing. Yes, got? I have two more things to announce. One, we are having a sale in our store. 10% off. It lasts until April 7th. Enter the code SALEVERSARY and you I, will receive 10% off everything. I came, up, I came up with that code. That is horrible. Who can help spell SALEVERSARY? <laughs> it was on purpose. It was on purpose. I was so, like, I was like yeah. let me make up a word that's hard to spell. And we have tons of new merchandise for you to choose from, including the Caboose hat, which is brand new. And it looks awesome. Gavin is modeling it, and he looks fantastic. He looks great in a hat. As usual. Yes. And also, we're having a community contest, two of them, that will be posted on our website today. So you'll see it. Today being Wednesday or today being Tuesday? Today being Tuesday, my mistake. Yeah, we're so doing it yesterday. So yesterday, get, check our page. Get cracking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. If you want to avoid spoilers, end now. I'm going to do even a countdown. 10, 9, 8, Eight bo- bo- 7, 6, the geth all die. 3, What? <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. So, welcome to the spoiler version, or the spoiler edition, of the Rooster Teeth Podcast. Spoiler cast. Spoiler cast. Spoiler cast. Spoiler alert, yeah. Joining us is Adam Baird. Hello. is our server engineer here at Rooster Teeth. And Eddie Rivas, live from Houston, Texas. Eddie is also one of the uh, new writers uh, for RVB Season 10. He helped us out with some of the scenes in uh, the new season, so it's going to be really awesome. Eddie, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, so after... So, to be clear, we are about to start talking about Mass Effect in a freeform mode. We're not going to worry about spoilers or anything like that. Correct. So, okay. so if you have not finished it or you care about spoilers, do not listen any further. Okay, we're done warning about that. Okay. How many, how many warnings now? We've been, <laughs> it's we've like 10,000. <laughs> so, after, you know, all the outrage about the ending of, of Mass Effect 3... Uh, you know, we all finished it, so we decided to get together and talk about it. And I guess talk about the franchise as a whole and uh, try to talk through some of these uh, situations that have come I, up. I just want to be clear why I'm qualified to talk about Mass Effect. I have 100% of the achievements in the first Mass Effect. I have 100% of the achievements in the Mass Effect 2, including all the DLC that they put out. Including Shadow Broker, which will become important because there's some weird things with Shadow Broker yes. that take place in Mass Effect 3. So, and I'm on my way to getting 100% achievements in Mass Effect 3, but getting 5,000 kills is going to take me a long time. It, with multiplayer, it won't take as long as you think. But, right? I, yeah. but you actually have to get the kill, right? 
That yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. 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 It's not an assist, but an actual kill. If you can get the M99 Saber in multiplayer, you, you can be pretty good. That's like a little hand cannon, yeah. assault rifle, sniper rifle thing that just takes guys out. Like, nobody's business. Just, just level. Like, once you get a, a, a high enough level, go in on bronze and solo... <laughs> Because uh, you get all the kills, and it's just wave after wave. As long as you can survive, you're fine, and you just get huge amounts of kills. That's a good point. Uh, that's a very yeah, good I never point, thought yeah. about that. I mean, each wave Pro is like tip. 10 to 20, right? Uh, it, it depends on the wave. It, it gets, you know, exponentially worse. Yeah, then if an atlas shows up or something big, then, you know, you get less kills. <laughs> yeah. So the DLC that I got for Mass Effect 3, the From Ashes... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That gave me the Prothean Rifle? Yes. That thing was awesome, dude. Well, that gave you the... Uh, for Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 3? Mass Three. Effect 3. From yeah, Effect. that gave you the Prothean, though. Like, the Prothean yeah. rifle aside, that there was a Prothean. Which, okay, I gotta say this about Mass Effect 3. The Prothean, Javik, yes. seems critical to the narrative. <laughs> like, he was in, I took him on every mission. Just it's because so I. I wanted to see what he had to say... It's, you're ending the Mass Effect trilogy, the main story. The proteins are very important to that. And he had a lot of stuff to say to a lot of those cutscenes. I don't know where the information would have come across uh, if he didn't have it. Gus, did you get the DLC? Yes. Did I anyone have... not get the DLC? So we have we, we, we have we have no idea what it, the game plays no, like I did from no DLC I took standpoint. I every fucking mission so did I. to see what his comments were and see what insight he had into yeah. the way things had gone. One of my funniest, and a lot of it was hilarious. One of my funniest interactions with him was when they told him the Solarians were advanced now. Yes. He said, they eat flies. They eat flies. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it, it, and he did set up, like, he. it was important, too, because once, getting to the end now, once you discover the catalyst and what the ultimate system was of the universe mm-hmm. or the galaxy, um, he kind of set you up for that because he kept constantly talking about the advanced races of the galaxy as though they were, you know, mud-dwelling little species. and. Yep. That that was really important. I mean, it's we all knew they came up through evolution, you know, and they, they took the place of the Protheans. But he was talking about it from perspective. I remember you guys; you were worthless, and we were not. He didn't know it at the time, but we were harvested, and you guys weren't for a very specific reason. Right. So I don't know if you didn't have the DLC, you wouldn't get that part of the story. You know. Right. It seems like you would need that. You would need that setup. Yeah, it seemed critical. And the the funny, the, the weird thing about the DLC is, you know, there was also a, a day one DLC character in Mass Effect Two. It was the Zaid, the, mm-hmm. the bounty hunter. Yeah, and but that was, came with the game if you bought it new, didn't it? Maybe if you bought a collector's I, edition. The, no, no, you're right. No, I'm pretty sure it, if you bought it new, because I I bought Mass Effect Two. Uh, like a year after it came out, I didn't have time to play it when it first released. And when I bought Mass Effect 2, I bought just a used copy for like 10 bucks at a GameStop somewhere. And when I signed online, it was like, you don't have access to half of this stuff. So I ended up having to buy like a $15 Cerberus, Cerberus Network. Pack, yeah. yeah, and that's where that's where Zahid came from. And then all this other stuff. And of course, when I started playing it, there was like 100 DLC for well, it already. Well, what I was going to say about these characters specifically is that, you know, Zaid was the day one DLC in Mass Effect 2, and I felt like his character wasn't fleshed out very much. It didn't seem like, relevant. You talked to him on the ship, there was never a cutscene, it didn't matter if you had him or not. The Prothean... Really all text. Right, it was all text, <laughs> that's a good point. The Prothean, on the other hand, you had plenty of interaction with him, and he had lots of interaction that was fleshed out with the other characters. Tons. I felt like that was already included. <laughs> like yeah. They obviously worked a lot more on that character and built it out a lot more than the Day 1 DLC in Mass Effect 2. So, real quick, who did you guys save initially? Uh, Ashley or Kato? What's his name? What's his name? Kaden. 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 Yeah, I, mean, I saved Ashley, so he was gone from my story. I saved Ashley. Yeah, I saved Ashley as well. I saved... I had playthroughs with both. On the playthrough, I played Mass Effect 3 most recently. I saved Ashley. Okay. Good. 
Like, it doesn't even re- enter, like, my realm of, like, possibility that Caden can even be alive in Mass Effect 3. <laughs> I'm not aware of anyone who actually saved him. It I, was, I, I, it I was the option of, like, before. boobs or just a dude, and it's like... <laughs> Uh, no, it's, one's gonna win. Well, my kid plays Mass Effect, and uh-huh. he avoids the romance option that you would not believe. In fact, when it came down to saving Tali or the Geth, he's like, she might want a romance. <laughs> like, is that really gonna be your decision whether or not you destroy a race of sentient machines? He loved the Geth. He loved them. Like, he'd been built Lego Geth. Wow. And, uh, so so yeah, he, he, sa- he saved the Geth because he didn't, he didn't want, want to potentially have to romance Tally? He didn't want to romance Tally. Oh, see, it was, it was very much the other way for me. I, uh, I ended up getting to that decision where it was like, you know, are we, or, uh, what was the, what, what did he say? Do we have a soul? Um. The VI? The. No, 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 the, does this one have a soul? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, and I sat there for like five minutes going, oh god. I know this is like, this is the decision yeah. that is going to completely remove this race or, yeah, I, I have to pick sides. And I sat there for like five minutes and then I was like, I've been romancing Tally since the first game. Well, I guess I have to kill the guy. <laughs> there were times in the game where I would bring up the guide, like I hit the guide button on my 360 controller to like stop it. And be like, okay, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Same. Yeah, yeah, it's like okay, I like try to think through the ramifications of the different options to be like, okay, this is the right choice. Oh uh, yeah. Did you re- guys? Did any of you guys have the? Um, did any of you guys lose the Koreans? I did. You did? Yeah. You I sided with Koreans. the Geth. Yeah, I sided with the Geth. Did Did Tally commit suicide? Yeah, she did. She, oh. she she did like the nasty plunge off the cliff that we were standing on when I made the decision. Yeah, um, <laughs> the nasty plunge. We had uh, old school reference uh, on ours. Uh, what I sided with the Koreans, and there's a scene where um, y- the or, uh, Legion is really upset with you, and like you, so say, you think of that that construct as being Legion as well. This, it, well, it, it had the hole in the torso, right? Where the hologram was filling it in, but it was—it wasn't a real thing. It was a—it was that was a hologram that get that was following you around. No, 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 no. It was Legion. That, that it was it, Legion. The, the, the part—I mean, there is a part where you go into what I can only call like the Matrix or something the like that. World. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, that's exactly what system engineering <laughs> looks like. That's 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 what I do all day. Yeah, that hologram. That, that was the software I run around with a gun. That ran Legion. Like you think of the game yeah. as software that create these physical bodies. Right. Yes. Well, anyway, when when you're up there and you have to make the decision, you know, do you side with the Geth or do you side with the Koreans? Uh, when you say, you know, I'm essentially going to let the Geth die, there's a moment where, where Legion just kind of looks at you, stunned, I guess, um, or lagging, I guess, for computer uh-huh. robot terms, uh, and then he just gets really upset and, like, picks you up by your throat and puts you up over the cliff, mm-hmm. and there is an awesome moment where, like, Tally out of nowhere has just backstabs Legion, and then Legion just, like, dies. <laughs> So, am, am I the only one who got the Geth and the Koreans to work together? You did? No, I got that. Okay. What? Yeah. How? You, like, I guess there's a lot of trees you had to have gone through Mass Effect 1 and 2 to get to the point where you have the option to have them peacefully coexist. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, from the beginning, I've always just kind of played the anti-Geth mm. options. I'm romancing Tally. Well, so... I felt like I couldn't after this game, though. I felt like I couldn't not help well, the Geth. It was it was a hard decision, especially yeah. after watching the 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 part in the virtual world where the Quarians kind of screwed them. Yeah, that's why I sided with the Geth. Okay. Yeah, like I felt really bad after watching that part. Like all of a sudden, everything makes sense, and I'm just like, oh man. Well, this I'm is super hard. fucked up because I saved the Geth and then chose the red ending where I eliminated all 
artificial light. That's short-lived victory for them. Get rid of the repos, so, then you were done with them. Pretty I have, much. I have a question. You said you chose to destroy all tech option. That is correct. You did not choose to control the Reapers. That is correct. I know Adam and I chose that same option. Yes. Eddie, which option did you choose? I chose the green option. So to control the Reapers? No, that was the the synthesis option. Yeah, where you, yeah. they combine. Okay. That's the third so, option. So, oh, so which option did you choose, Eddie? Yeah, it was the, the, the green one. The so what combine. One of the colors, the blue ending, which is <laughs> control the Reapers, the red ending, which is destroy the Reapers and all artificial life, and then the, the combination one, which is green, where you give birth to a new race, which is part artificial and part organic. I have not experienced that Man, one yet. I, uh, that one felt pretty I, natural to me, especially after combining, after like getting the Geth and the Quarians to work together. It felt natural to say, like, oh, like it seemed like the precursor to, yeah. like, oh, these things can coexist. Yeah, I thought, I, I, and I guess you and I must have had a similar playstyle because we got the Geth and the Quarians to work together. And I thought long and hard about choosing that option. However, I felt like after you know being motivated for so long to stop the Reapers and to like. It was just like that was the overwhelming drive for my character. Was Me too. To have to destroy the Reapers. Like I've gone through all of this shit to not fulfill. It, 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 it's time to just let them die. That would be to fall flat. Blue is, blue is never an option for me. It was yeah. I, I have hovered between like red and green for yeah. a long time. Man, I did not even. And, and again, it, well, to explain is uh, I thought I was a lot further in the game yesterday, so <laughs> I decided well, when we were like, <laughs> explain that real quick. So yesterday, okay, we, so yesterday we have a big company meeting um, and. You know, we, we talked about doing a spoiler podcast, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I think, about 18 hours into the game, so I'm sh- I should be relatively close, because the other two, my first two playthroughs of Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 took me about 20 hours, um, but I, I had... Somebody's not scanning planets. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> my first playthrough is to kind of beat the game, and uh-huh. just kind of watch all the stuff, and then... Like, when I go back, I play on the hardest difficulty, Insanity, and do every single thing. Because when I play through on Insanity, it takes me a lot longer. And there are times when it's like, I'm not playing this game for a week. Because those, whatever level I'm stuck on, is just terrible on Insane Mode. But, so it becomes less enjoyable, so I want to get the story first. Anyway, so... Makes sense. they, uh, they, They changed how you see your quests, or what your active stuff is. So... Apparently, my first 18 hours was just doing, like, random other stuff and didn't realize this. So, when I Adam down, thought he was finished with the game, <laughs> almost finished, he had yet to make the choice between the Quarians and the Geth. He had yet to No, I hadn't, I hadn't even gotten Tally yet. Like, I had, <laughs> I had, I had just finished uh, Tachanka and was like, okay, oh like... I'm 18 hours in. Surely, like you had just started I'm the okay. game. This is yeah. yesterday. This is yesterday. So, so yeah. And, and and to top it off, I mean, we had uh, Monday nights are Star Wars: The Old Republic nights for me and my guild. So I was raiding until about 11 my time, and then it was like, okay, let me go clean up Mass Effect. And it was about three hours. It was about two in the morning at this point when I was like. I am nowhere near the end of this game. <laughs> I have made a grave mistake. Then log on. And then uh, essentially, what happened is, is at, at three in the morning, it was like I'm now. I'm just being stubborn, so I said screw it and powered through the rest of the game uh, and beat it this morning at around five a.m. Wow! Um, That's to drink a coffee and, and come to work to do this podcast. <laughs> Well, so yes, I it, yeah, at five a.m. I'm so delirious that I didn't even know there was a green option. <laughs> I saw the two. I saw the red and the blue options. Was like okay, well, time to kill some reapers. I, since we're on that that topic, real quick though, I want to find out everybody. 
He said his main romance, Adam's main romance option was Tally. Who was your main romance? Tally. Tally. Yeah. What about you, Eddie? I did Miranda. Mar- well, I did Miranda. I think I did Miranda in two. I did. I, my Liara was always through. my primary romance option. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I admit the Miranda thing was some disappointment because I decided I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the Liara romance because I like the idea of having the like platonic friendship and then they kind of like hook up in the third game. And I really liked that. And then <laughs> I had, I had stuck with that too. I was like, I'm going to romance Tally, like not Tally, uh, Liara. And then the first cutscene with Miranda, they've got the camera hovering like at butt level. <laughs> <laughs> she asked like the very first question. She's like, "Are we still together?" And I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> I was like, "Why did I do that?" He's <laughs> like, "Yep." Oh god damn it! What did I do? I had a, I had my out. You didn't take your out. <laughs> I love it. What about you? Did you say who yours was, Bernie? Liara. Liara. Okay. Yeah. So my, my through all the games, mine was always Liara. I so like, we've had we've all three of us had different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, well, you, Tally. you and I. Tally. Well, we both had Tally. I like the way that they did the reveal on Tally's face finally in this game. I guess you saw it after she killed herself, but in you know in the third game after you romance her, she leaves you a you know picture by your bedside to remember her. I never saw Tally's face. You never saw it. I, I heard that after she. I have not seen it, but I heard that after she commits suicide. That you just have the picture next to your bed in your cabin. Oh, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, and you can go like pick it up and look at it, and it's like it's just like a, a backlit photo. It's hard to see; they don't show it very long. Yeah, but uh, it's. I cool. never, I never went into my command. I, I was incredibly yeah. disappointed by it, actually. Really? I well, my cabin. It, it just felt like for for the what is now. You know, I'm. I'm not quite a thousand, a thousand on on all of mine, but I'm like nine fifty. Yeah, it's like those last ten achievements that are like use this random skill a thousand times, and I'm just like I'm not going through to yeah. to, to use mm-hmm. overload a thousand times. You the know, to get those last achievements in the whole franchise are in Mass Effect One. Yes, where you have to play with two characters in all the missions. Essentially, yeah, yep. you have to I'm, play the game three times. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect One. Numbers. I think I have actually all of those. I just don't have like there's. I think it's the biotic ones, because I, I just don't enjoy the biotic class. What do you play? That's another so, question. What do you play? I play Soldier. Okay, what do you play? Um, soldier and Vanguard. Vanguard? What do you play, yeah. Eddie? Yeah, I always do Soldier to start off. Like, I do the kind of vanilla yeah. whatever to start off RPGs, <laughs> and then future playthroughs I make up. I do, I do Sentinel. I've, I always play Stealth. I've only ever played Soldier. I've never played another class through on single player. Even though I've finished it multiple times with multiple characters, they've all been Soldiers. I've, I've beat it several times on Soldier. I've beat it several times on Vanguard. I've tried um, several times on just pure Biotic, but I don't like being so dependent on my skills. I like having Biotic Charge and then having guns. Mm-hmm. Everything else is irrelevant to It me. also helps for achievements when you can get some of those things out of the way. That, in one playthrough. Yeah. Like a hundred pushes or, you know, pulls or whatever. Um, oh, I didn't consider that. Yeah, it, it helps, you know. And it's like, and we should, we should count it for NPCs as well. Like, I, I told the R to use Slam about a thousand times. Yeah. Or, or uh, no, Singularity. Anyway, yes. I'm putting this every time she does it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me some fucking credit. Yeah. That singularity is the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Especially when you got a singularity going, and you're, like, picking down somebody's shield. It's like, you fucker, watch what's about to happen to you. <laughs> you give her the shield, boop, then they go flying away. I love it. But, uh, okay, so before we get into the actual ending, let's talk about maybe some things that were... Because 3, as a game, is an ending. A yes. long ending. And Tycho from Penny Arcade described it that way. It's a great description. It absolutely is. 
I the whole time I was looking at the ending and hearing the fervor online, I was thinking, what are people complaining about? Because everything I've experienced so far is great payoff on everything I've had in the Mass Effect franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, so the whole game is a series of endings. Yeah, yeah, it is stuff with the uh, even even r- pretty much right off the bat, you get contacted by Rex. Yep. Um, or um, I, oh, I what's the other him. one? Uh, what, or not Reeve. Or, if you or Reeve. Rex. Yeah, yeah, Reeve takes over if, if Rex is dead. Uh, right off the bat, you start. It starts off with the you know the genophage crisis mm-hmm. over on Tuchanga, which is such a great story. Um, did anyone actually not cure it? I, I cured it. I cured it. I've not met anyone who hasn't who did not cure the genophage. Another fun even though me. like those people have been foreboding to take over the universe since like the first game. Mm-hmm. You know something? Um, you know that Morden can actually live. Through like a crazy series of events, there. I'm gonna play this game a thousand. I've times. heard that. Like if you like in not Rex, oh, okay. in Mass Effect One, and then Eve dies in Mass Effect Three. Like I don't know if she has to die during the Cerberus infiltration in that one mission, or on the road, like during the Chachanka mission. But she has to die. Rex, you have to have killed Rex, and really? then you don't tell anyone. Like you don't tell anybody about the Genophage sabotage, and then you wait till the final moment. And then you have to, like, renegade, like, use the renegade options on Morden in that scene. And then it'll convince him that it's worthless for him to go die for, huh. for the genophage cure. Wow, I was close to letting Morden live then. The whole, I, had a lot of, I had a lot of those steps. The whole time Eddie's explaining that, what I heard was, this is why Mass Effect takes two discs. <laughs> yeah. Because there's all this stuff in here that I'll, I'll never get to, I don't think. Well, I think that's part of the reason why some people are freaking out about stuff, is that, you know, like, like in movies, like, the best special effects are the ones that you don't see. And I feel like there's so much of that going on in Mass Effect 3 that people aren't even realizing that they're missing. Like, I think everyone probably just assumes Morden, will, Morden has to die. Yeah. But it, there's, like all these crazy series of events you can do to, like, make all these random things happen in the game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of... It, 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 it's proof that it really is a fantastic franchise when uh, four people who have played the game a borderline obsessive amount, uh, in Bernie's case, a very obsessive amount, um, we all have very different experiences and we all have done very different things uh, from... that That has... Vast different, vastly different effect on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. I have played. I have played through so many times, like to get all the achievements that I ended up like. I try to do it perfectly. For instance, Mass Effect Two. I had everyone survive the suicide mission on my first run, mm. but then I just went through and didn't care. So you know, it's well, good, we do it the opposite order. Like my first playthrough is the one that I'm just like, don't care at all. Skip everything. Like I beat Mass Effect Three. Not a single person survived. Like. It, it, and and that was just it. Just like everybody died. That, that's the five AM syndrome. That, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then my second playthrough, like with Mass Effect Two, my first playthrough was the exact same way. I just played through, got it, and then I when I went to the end, I did the insanity run mm-hmm. and got saved everybody and everything on my second playthrough. All I want is I want the ending where Shepard beats the fuck out of the two people at the security checkpoint when you're heading into the CIC. <laughs> oh, God. That's all oh, I want. God. That is all I want. I want that ending. You know, where he's he grabs him by the hair and goes, shut the fuck up! <laughs> God. 
I don't need that boardroom, like empty boardroom, and then that security checkpoint over and over again. In the middle of the well, to to begin with, who puts a security checkpoint in the middle of a ship? (laughs) All the rest of the ship is unsecured area except for this one room in the very back. That doesn't. It's not like it's protecting weapons or anything like that. Navigation. What is it? No, it is the elevator. It's 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 interesting. I was thinking about this. Last night when I was playing, there is something in every game that it just seems like the Achilles heel. That that's like that one thing that it would have been perfect had they nailed this. And it's all it is different in every game. The first one is very much the elevator. Like every time you have to go from you know in, in uh, the Citadel from like the from uh, from CSEC all the way up to yeah. the very top, it's like a thirty-five second just like. Listen to world global news yeah. and your companions do some little chatter. Or Garrison Rex that, yelling at each other. That, yeah, I never, like, I never minded the elevators in the first game I because did. I thought I thought it was kind of a clever, you know, that they were doing the that they had the back and forth. See, I liked it the first three times, but like after a while, and after you go through and play, you, like once you've played it and beaten the game once, you get to the point where you've heard. Like, your general companions chatter, or you just don't care anymore. So it's 35 seconds of just sitting there, watching your character stand there, and you can't open... You can't do anything. If you open a menu, it pauses. Yeah. Like, it was just, I have to wait. And it was terrible. And then the second game was... The second was the scanning for... You know, oh, having to go yeah. to every stinking planet and, but for, for but Element Zero or whatever. I liked it too, but Adam played it like a year after launch. By then, it had been patched to speed up the scanning. Oh, really? When yeah. you played the game at launch before the patch, it was much slower. Uh, Let me I, tell you I, something. I, I the scanning is something that evolved that. over the entirety of the franchise. Uh-huh. The first version of scanning in the first game was you got in the tank yes. and drove over the planet. <laughs> so you went from driving over... It was much the better th- than Mass Effect 1. That was... Yes. Yeah, you would do anything good to like get it not, not drive around about, but drive over it. It was like as good as a horse in Skyrim. So you went from being on the planet to being in orbit of the planet, scanning the planet to just like get in the solar system and hit the left trigger a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate what they did there. It was cool. And then you scanned one point on the planet to find the item of interest. Yeah, yeah. and that was it. But the thing where the Reapers come in, they chase you. That was such bullshit. You can always like just leave the thing and come right back in, yeah. And then they're all gone again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they had to ski. We, they were there, but you were, they were in a different part of the solar system, and you could like run in real quick and get your fuel and get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I can't. Go ahead, Eddie. Uh, the, I was about to say the thing that I really hated about um, Mass Effect Three was actually the the quest management system. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it wouldn't tell you like you would scan a planet and you would get something, but it wouldn't tell you like you had no way to track like oh I finished this quest I need to go back and talk to this person and that drove me crazy when I was scanning and doing stuff like that in Mass Effect Three. Well, you could you could go into your journal and look at your quest and s- just tell you what you're supposed to do, and I guess you can remember that you oh I did pick this thing up. It never really matters much to me because I go to a, I, when I hit a solar system, I scan everything to 100% and then I go to the planets. Yeah, but I, wish, I can't do it any other way. Like, going off of what Eddie said, I wish that it would sort your quests. Like, if you have the item accomplished, it should be up at the top of the list. And like, yeah. unaccomplished you want to be notified be this is eligible to turn right. in. I want, to be, I want to be notified that I finished it so oh. I know kind of what I need to keep looking for. However, you have to give them a lot of credit in a game with these, like, the infinite practically infinite amount of choices that you can also miss stuff. Like, a lot of the Cerberus missions come with computers that, like, oh, here's the burn victim's data for, right. for how to treat chemical burns. If you don't get it, you can't go back to that mission, but then after you miss it, it becomes available in the Spectre computer. Right. Right. That's great. So it's not, there was never a moment in Mass Effect 3 where it's like, I missed something, 
I just blew this run through. Yeah, there yeah. were there were several things I had to buy from that computer. That's and that's fine. Yeah, because by that point you have tons of credits and didn't it matter. doesn't matter. So, do we want to talk about the ending specifically? Well, let's talk about the the thing that really bothered me the most about Mass Effect was um, Mass Effect Three was some of the stuff that was important, and it seems to be related to DLC again. Um, they specifically talked about the Yog, which is that barbaric race that was important in the Shadow, Shadow Broker. Broker, right? And because mm-hmm. Because, spoiler for Mass Effect 2, um, the Shadow Broker, when you eventually find out who it is in DLC, arguably an awesome DLC, the Shadow Broker is a Yogg who is then taken down by you and Liara, and then Liara becomes a Shadow Broker. Awesome ending to that. Unfortunately, the Shadow Broker to me was a very long-term setup character, more so even than the Elusive Man in the franchise. Because the the Shadow Brokers are mentioned in the very first... Uh, Mass Effect. In fact, they could have just turned the Elusive Man into the Shadow Broker. Yeah, right. very easily. Even. Very. I mean, what? And actually, was the Elusive Man even mentioned in Mass Effect One? No. no. Cerberus. He, he, Mass just, Effect he Cerberus just shows up. Which Cerberus was mentioned in Mass Effect One? I believe they were. I, I thought I, they was. Uh, I thought they were mentioned kind of in um, as like an aside, not really in the main mm. game. I'm pretty sure they were. They were mentioned um, in the one. Yeah, like when Saren, um, and I can't remember it right now. The the first Proethean or the, the the first VI you meet. Okay. I think I, I, I the VI for on some the reason no 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 not on the Citadel. The one you find like in the middle of and it's the malfunctioning it's, it's one, been, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I know I'm what pretty sure about. there was there was some mention to splinter groups hmm. then, but my brain could just be interesting failing right now. Re- going all the way back, the really cool thing is to find out that Edie was the rampant AI on the moon in oh, the yeah. first Mass Effect. Yes. That, w- that was a pretty cool loop back. I yeah. thought that was pretty neat. Because for some reason, fighting on the moon, maybe they realized that stuck with people. Because you were fighting a mission on the moon of Earth. Mm-hmm. And it, I totally remember that mission very clearly. Yeah, it was Mass awesome. Effect. Yeah. And that was a great... Yeah. <laughs> and it was cool to go to like a lot of homeworlds, like Solarian Homeworld and the uh, Garrus, the homeworld. What's the name of the aliens? Garrus's? Uh, uh, Vicarian or no? That's his last name. Um, no, no. The name of the aliens. Palavin. It's, it's escaping. Turians. 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 Thank you. I don't know why. That oh, was the race for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so but the way the Yog was treated, I think it's. I'm saying that one right too. Yog. Yeah, it is. Um. In Mass Effect Three, she- Shepard, when they would talk about the Yog, he had no recollection of it. Like they would talk about the. It was one of the lower species that was clearly going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um. Reaper harvesting in, in this cycle. Um. And then. The Solarians are talking about the Yog as well, and and, and even Liara explains to Shepard how she took down the Shadow Broker with some friends. It's like, bitch, I was there. But <laughs> I don't recall it being like that in my playthrough. Really? I think... Yeah, so did I. That you guys helped her do it. Right, but I think you played on a non-imported character, correct? Okay, maybe that's what happened yeah. then. Is that yeah. with me? I think it was when the Yogg like busts out. You know, when the animals are like busting out when you're going around in that facility. Right. It was, like one of the Yogg busts out, and then Shepard makes a comment about like maybe that's your next shadow broker or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He says that I, I specifically uh-huh. remember that as well. I see. When when you meet the Yogg for the first time, mm-hmm. Shepard's like, "That's." That did could you be play the, the, the Shadow Broker DLC? Oh yeah. I wish the Shadow Broker had been part of the main story mm-hmm. and not not relegated to DLC. Arguably an awesome DLC. But yeah, I wish the Shadow Broker had been a big part of it. So it sounds like it was just an option for my save right. that was not relevant in that playthrough or something like that right. that I had. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting to look at this stuff that seems like so pivotal towards the actual story, like with the Shadow Broker DLC and with the Prothean DLC. And it because there's a lot of people that accuse them of like, oh, well, they just yanked this you know, out. But I don't know. I don't, 
it's it's just an interesting question because it's like does is that more of a credit to how awesome the DLC was or or is it a detriment that it wasn't included as part of the story? Yeah, I, I think you can't get the complete Mass Effect story to play the DLC. I, I don't think so either. I think I, I mean I'm of the opinion that the 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 DLC is to remain like map packs and the further maybe extra missions. Of. Yeah, like not not like core gameplay. Like the Shadow Broker is, is very very pivotal and and was built on like you were saying since Mass Effect One. So it feels like it's something that that should have just been in the retail game because it is so important and so ingrained in the game. It wasn't like, um, and I can't even, uh, Kasumi's DLC? Yeah, right. Kasumi's Stolen Memory? Where, yeah, like, like that DLC really was just like, hey, let's go steal some stuff from some rich guy, and then and then that was pretty much it, and you get a new character. Like, that I'm okay with being DLC, because it doesn't feel like a part of the game. And even the DLC for Mass Effect 2, where you get Zaheed, it wasn't... There was nothing, you know, there was no backstory, it really didn't go anywhere from there, from afterwards, so it was just, like, some extra fun missions, not like, this is the core of the game, like, this is a main character. Anytime, like, a main character gets put into DLC, I kind of feel that they're... Well, even going back to the first Mass Effect, if you didn't play some of the DLC in Mass Effect, you didn't know who the Batarians were. Yeah. I mean, the Batarians were a big part of DLC, but the Batarians are super important to the human story in in Mass Effect, you know? And mm-hmm. then even in the Arrival, the Batarians... What happens if you didn't play the Arrival? Like, are you just totally lost when you start Mass Effect 3? Are, are, are the Batarians around, like or do they yeah. have a homeworld? What was the destruction of the Mass Relay that killed the Batarians? You destroy the Mass Relay that connects them to the rest of the, the No, galaxy. but is that DLC, yeah. or is that narrative? That's DLC. That's in the Arrival. Yeah. You're right, yeah. yeah. I mean... That's pretty major. That's <laughs> pretty major. And it's like... Yeah, that's yeah, what Satan. Yeah, I, I almost wish one of us had played it without him just to get that perspective. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of people who are just missed out. It was like 800 points, too, for that DLC? I think so. Plus, you'd have to... Your battles would take twice as long without that fucking rifle. It was yeah. like the Geth Beam rifle, but way better. Yeah. Way better. Um, well, okay, another thing, too, is... Before we get to the ending is... And I think when the catalyst shows up in the ending... Um, a lot of people feel like, well, what is this thing that's coming out of nowhere? That's like all of a sudden, and that's frustrating for people. But in the same sense, you you have to have something that's fresh and new. Like you want to you want to see something at the end that's new. And I think the catalyst, in, in that sense of being able to write something, worked well. What doesn't work well is when they when they kind of stuff things in out of nowhere that don't really have a purpose. That fucking assassin character in in three, oh, God. I, he he seems uh. irrelevant and out of nowhere. And it's just like I knew I was gonna have to fight him. And it's like it just didn't seem it, it, it seems shoehorned in. Yeah, I, I, I was not a, a Kai Ling. That was his name, Kai yeah. Ling. Okay. Was, was he in two? No. 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 no, no. Okay, because everyone kept acting like I was supposed to know who he was. Like, exactly. and I was like, I, I kept thinking that I had missed something. No, I have. If he was, I have, none of us have any memory of him. What would you have done differently if you instead of Kyling? What would you have done? I, I don't. <sighs> well, I feel, and, and there was a lot of uh, when you're when you're going through the the Cerberus base. They all on several occasions talked about the Eva project, and and, and that being the project that followed Shepard, and that the Eva project was not supposed to fail. And may, I might be getting my characters mixed up, but I'm pretty sure that Edie consumed Eva. Yeah, right. Eva became the E. I feel like that character, for for, for a character that Cerberus has seemed to invest so much in, that you know this is this is the new Shepard, so to speak. Um, 
you know, this shepherd won't fail, this Eva, and, and then just like to lose that asset so early, the and first then mission, all of a, essentially, yeah, like like that happens so early in the game that you get the you know the the sexy Edie, um, that it just like that whole timeline which just didn't make sense. Like it seemed like later in the game they built that up, and then it was lost so early that it didn't. Either he should have been way more pissed off about that, mm-hmm. um, or it, it, it the two characters didn't make any sense. I could have had them flipped, yeah. where the Eva project was the new guy, mm-hmm. uh, and the other person was just some robotic chick sure. that was on the Cerberus team. Or something related to Reaper technology that they built, yeah. that Cerberus built, or something, not just... Or, 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 or that he has been like, modified yeah. by Reaper tech, right. and, and not... Which they kind of alluded to in the very end with the elusive man, how when you see his face. Mm-hmm. Um, like, or, or Miranda's father, Eddie. Yeah, so that's, well, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's interesting that Eddie said Miranda's sister, because that's the same thing I was thinking. Either Miranda or her sister. Like, yeah. continue, take that storyline in a different path. They weren't in my playthrough at all. Uh, uh, Jacob was in my playthrough, and he had a really lame storyline, I felt. Yeah. Um, yeah, he stood, he stood in line at the hospital the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, was Jack in anybody's playthrough? Yeah. Playthrough? Yes. Oh, but Jack was not in mine at all. Jack uh, was pretty early in my playthrough. Okay. Uh, what about... Um, she was an instructor at the Grissom Academy. That makes sense. Yeah. What about the Justicar? Actually, um, I forget I forget how it is. It's one of the... Based on choices that you do in two, she might not be the instructor. Yeah, she was She was not my instructor. She uh. actually... She was not present in my playthrough. There. Yeah, there was... There was a, I actually... I had to kill her. Really? Yeah, there was a moment when I was going through... When I was invading the Cerberus base... Um, that all my, the guys that were with me was like, that was Jack's, or Jack, and, and Shepard's like, it's not Jack anymore. <laughs> like, I, I just killed her. Whoa. I don't even remember what decision I oh. made in Mass Effect 2 that did that, but like, yeah, she went back to the bad side and went oh, wow. crazy. Now she was, when I went to the Grissom Academy to save the students, she was an instructor who was protecting the students and like uh-huh. teaching them how to use biotics to fight. Did you guys have the Justicar in yours, Samara? Yeah. No, she wasn't mine either. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see. Yeah, we, at all. Now it, it might have been like a submission or a, a side quest that I, I missed. I, I played. She was. She was in the Banshee mission where you first find the Banshees. Oh man! Um, and then if you let her daughter live, I want to say, in two, and let her daughter take her place, that she's the first Banshee you meet. Hmm. hmm. I did not let the daughter live in two, so I didn't see that. Man, I love how rich the universe is. Like, the Ardat Yakshi, which are the splinter Asaris who have the power to consume uh-huh. the people they mate with. Like Samara. Yeah, it's crazy awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, in, like they have that place where they stick them all, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then that's where you find friend of the Banshees. I mean, that's uh, the richness of that is just, it's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that stuff. It's crazy. Like, I just had my mind blown by the fact that we had three different Jack scenarios here, by the way. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta reemphasize that. Not present, enemy. Or instructor I ally. killed her enemy. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I never saw her. I, she didn't exist. So it treated my save as though I just didn't save her on the suicide mission. Uh, I guess. Yeah. yeah, one of my one of my saves where I didn't just ran through it and didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I, because Brandon survived. I don't remember Jacob. Jacob at all. Yeah, he's just hanging out in the hospital. He gets he gets he he. I found him. I don't in even the, remember him there. Yeah, I found him at a Cerberus mission, and she was getting married and settling down. That's yeah. his whole story. He like. was defending some scientists because he had hooked up with one of them, and she's pregnant. Yeah, and, oh. and then he had to go to the hospital, and with socialized healthcare, he waited the entire game, <laughs> <laughs> literally till almost <laughs> the end. Antagonistic <laughs> towards me too. I felt like 
I thought almost as much as James. That does bring up another thing I really like too, which were the NPCs that had progressive stories that you'd walk by them. Like there was the uh, post-traumatic stress sorry that mm-hmm. was in the hospital, yeah. mm-hmm. and then there was the girl waiting for gun. her parents. Yeah, at yes. the well, well, I always kept checking on the girl waiting for her parents, yeah. oh, like yeah. every time. Was that dude hitting on her? The hey, Turian? It, it kind of felt like it. I felt creepy to me. Like, like, at first I thought he was protecting her, but I felt like he got a little creepy towards the end. <laughs> like, he, he was like, alright, let's go somewhere, let's do something about this. He's one step away from offering her a room at his house or something like that, right? Or something, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. You need a place to stay. But, um, okay, so let's talk, a, uh, let's talk about the ending. Um, okay. which right. is people, what people are upset about. First of all, did you like the ending? You just finished Adam. Did you like the ending of Mass Effect? Um... Yeah, I'm 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 okay with it. I, I... that's 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 I'm gonna a quick survey. Yeah. yeah, Gus, did you like it? Yes. Eddie, did you like it? Yes. I thought it was tremendous. I didn't think I didn't just like it. I thought it was a great ending. And we already said what endings we we played. Right. That being said, I but that doesn't really matter well, so much. It's I, more like the end no, of like the no, it does. We, there, we there's a springboard. Actually, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, go Gus off and, of here. Gus and me the, kind of chain or learned this this morning. We uh, I, I had not done the control the reapers option. So before we did this podcast, I went and I watched that ending. I uh-huh. watched someone's playthrough of it. If you choose to control the Reapers, the uh, you know you take control. Obviously, you take control of them. Then it's a similar cutscene at the end. You know, remember if you choose to destroy them, like you're, you see the fighting in London, the Reapers just fall over. Yeah. If you choose to control them, instead of falling over, the Reapers take off and leave, okay. and everyone cheers. And then you go, you know, so you see the Reapers retreating essentially, and then it goes to the same cutscene if you choose to destroy them, where the Mass Effect relays start blowing up. In order, and then Except you go I to. Think the, it's, it, I think it's blue now instead of red. Yeah. And then you get that same cutscene where the Normandy's trying to outrun the pulse, right? And the pulse overtakes the Normandy and it crashes. I don't understand why, if you choose to control the Reapers, the Mass Effect relays blow up, and there's still that pulse that destroys the Normandy. It is a crash. Like my ending, a crash on a planet, and then they come out. Same thing. And yeah. it's like a jungle, and they're starting over. From mm-hmm. my ending, there was no people, but. They're all dead. I was like, fuck everybody. <laughs> the door, like, uh, uh, on mine, the door goes, and immediately goes to credits. And then if you haven't played the red ending, as most of, uh, most of us did, we chose to destroy the Reaper. Yeah. It ends all the artificial life. The Reapers are destroyed. Uh, ends all technology, essentially. Ends all technology. The Mass Effect relays go through their self-destruct. Uh, the Mass relays go through their uh, self-destruct sequence, whatever it is. All they, 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 they link off each other. They all blow up. The Normandy gets some kind of pulse that hits it. It crashes on a planet. And for me, it was uh, uh, Joker, I guess Liara, and I forget who else. Somebody else come out. It's probably whoever you had survived. Yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah, else come probably. out and they go to start like yeah. life. Like You can tell like starting over primitive life mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. technology. Uh, and Eddie, why don't you describe the other ending, the combination one? Yeah, the, the, only, the only difference in the green one is that when the Normandy crashes... Uh, Joker and Edie come out hand in hand, and so the whole thing is like you're choosing synthesis, and so it's like they come out hand in hand and are kind of standing there all romantically, kind of looking out at the planet with like the implication that they're about the two of them are about to start a new life. Okay, yeah. So that, that doesn't sound all that different. To yeah, yeah. My my, yeah, my, my, my concern was I don't understand why if you choose to control the Reapers, the Mass Effect relays still blow up and the Normandy still crashes. I felt like that pulse was. Supposed to be the pulse that the Normandy's trying to outrun is supposed to be the pulse that destroys technology. I get that. So I that can, I can get a complaint and, about that. that yeah, was and when I saw complaint. that, like it, it made sense with the red one, or you know, with my ending, that they're trying to outrun that because that's gonna you know cause some massive damage. And then when we watched the the, the blue ending, mm-hmm. I guess it it just didn't make sense as to why things were blowing up. Controlling yeah. doesn't blow things up. 
and, and maybe we missed an option earlier. I, I mean, yeah, I I'm, I'm not sure, but had I had that ending, I would have been really confused and and upset, and I would have probably understood the whole let's petition and sign things and get all people but riled the, up. One of the things that people are upset about, like it's it's funny, like I, when I read complaints, like people keep citing plot holes, and one of the plot holes they cite is the Mass Effect relays blowing up. Um, yes, because in in the Arrival DLC. When you blow up the Mass Effect relay, it destroys like a solar system, pretty much. Yes. And and how is it destroyed? Like, it's a plot hole that if you're destroying all the Mass Effect relays, isn't that destroying everything? No. See, I don't get that either. I, I read that too, Eddie. And um, do you see it this way, where it's like it's almost like knocking a building over or demolishing a building? It's there was very clearly right. right there was very clearly a sequence going on. Like this was built in. By the catalyst, the system yeah. to take to turn them off or destroy them, which is different than running where they ran an asteroid into it, yeah. right? Yeah. Isn't that I how feel we- like taking a, a second to explain that in the middle of an ending would just be a waste of their time from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, yeah. and it wouldn't yeah. have it, it would have just been awkward for. I I felt like they did that though. Like I mean, it's implied when they they show the dots connecting the relays. Like yeah, plus, this is a sequence taking place. Plus, they're not ramming a fucking asteroid into it, like you said. Right. You see the mass <laughs> relay like spin up and kind of what they did in Arrival. Yeah, it just kind of breaks itself apart. Like you said, it's a perfect example. It's you know a controlled demolition of a building versus an explosion in a building. As a real world example, you can destroy a nuclear reactor and you can hit one with a tsunami. Those are two different effects. Right. <laughs> very, two, <laughs> very different outcomes. Very different outcomes. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to me like the, and even in the explanation of what the catalyst was, we have very clearly defined here when talking about this and our different experiences. Ultimately, what makes the Mass Effect franchise different than everything else is the Mass Effect franchise is about choice. Yeah. And it's about what you do. Okay. And to me, the ending that they put in place, even though the catalyst seems to come out of nowhere, this child VI uh, or AI that comes out of seemingly nowhere. It is totally acceptable to me, and I hate things that are like, there's always a layer higher. Like, I always hated Lost that, like, oh, these guys know what's going on the island? Nope, there's a level above them. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, these guys definitely know. Nope, there's a level above them. go that. one deeper. And yeah, it can always go one level higher. Um, and even the guys at the top, they don't know either. Everyone's yeah. confused. But the Catalyst did show up at the end, and there was really no indication to me that the Catalyst was coming. Well, even though they did say there's stuff beyond control, there's something controlling yeah. all of this, I thought that was a metaphor for God. That is what they were trying to say uh, earlier in the game. It's quite literally a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah. is, it, is that how you felt about it? Well, uh, well, I was okay with it, but but uh-huh. I mean, it was in a very literal sense, like the God in the Machine. Like, um, but I was I was still fine with it because I felt like I felt like we never knew where the Reapers came from, so right. I felt like we were going to get some kind of glimpse of that at the end, and I yeah. I, I felt like the game had prepared me for that because uh, they kept saying like, "Where do you come you. from? Where do you come from?" And one of my complaints about Mass Effect 2 was the ending seemed to come out of nowhere of, uh, oh, they're building a human reaper. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? It's like it didn't make any sense to me because what is a human reaper? Then Mass Effect 3 ending very clearly explained what that meant, Mm -hmm. that they make reapers as a way to preserve the organic species that they're destroying because they don't want the organic species to get to the point where they make uh, an artificial life form that then will take over the the universe, take over the galaxy. Mm -hmm. One of the things I am looking forward to is now that I kind of have a conclusion and I hope – I really hope that it was it was well done enough that when I go back, because I'm planning on on soon here in the future, going back to Mass Effect One and playing through the whole trilogy again to see one if the if the story evolves any, um, and just to see like I get to see things from a different perspective. It's like watching the Sixth Sense the second time. Uh-huh. You know, when I'm watching them build the Human Reaper, all of a sudden. 
that means so much different, you know, like, it, it just means everything differently, and I hope that it's um, written and, 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 and plays out in such a way that it will be a unique playthrough. Yeah, because the collectors, now with perspective, are not necessarily evil. No, They're just part of this system yeah. to preserve humans, and this exactly. is how they're doing it. Yep. To make sure that humans don't get wiped out at the end of the cycle. I just you put know. a link in the uh, Skype chat or whatever yeah. that had, uh, it's, uh, it's, that's actually a codex entry or codec entry or whatever from Mass Effect 1. What oh, is? interesting. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm passing it around. I loaded it on my phone and I'm passing it to everyone. And we'll put this in the link up so people can see it. That's really, really interesting. So, uh, I, when, you, when you mentioned the things about, like, catching stuff, I have to ask if any of you guys have heard about the indoctrination theory? Yeah, I've heard about it. I don't buy I, into I it, really, though. I have not. It's, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Eddie, this is the theory that the ending is just essentially, think of it like the Matrix. It's like the Reapers have given people that mental image of that peaceful ending, and really, they've all been indoctrinated. Oh, so it's just, well, the thing is real. The theory is that everything that happens once Shepard gets into the Citadel, like after the beam attacks or whatever, and then you kind of wake up and, like, stumble onto the Citadel, the theory is that everything from that point on is the battle inside of Shepard's head to be indoctrinated. Anderson does appear to come out of nowhere. He does does say this, like, line of, oh, I followed you in. Yeah. And then he's ahead of you. Yeah. Right. Um, The reason people think that uh, I don't know if I buy into it, oh, but it's—I awesome. don't know. I think one of the things about like that I love about good sci-fi is when you kind of get left with some of those questions, and it's kind of cool that like the ending could—I feel like it can stand on its own, but it also has this kind of like aspect where people are wondering if this was going on. Mm-hmm. I totally um, agree. And and so well, the reason a lot of people are buying into the indoctrination theory is because um, I think when you first meet the Rachni, they start talking about how um, that when the Reapers indoctrinated them, they saw kind of like oily paintings, that everything looked like oily paintings, and that's what Shepard's dream sequence looked like mm-hmm. in Mass Effect 3. Um, yeah. and, and apparently in one of the books, there's a whole thing about like whenever people start to get indoctrinated, they start to hear Reaper growls. And that whole scene with the kid in the very beginning of Mass Effect 3, when Shepard looks and then Anderson comes in and Shepard looks away, and when he looks back and the kid's gone, there's like a, a real subtle like audio cue of, of a Reaper growl going on there. Hmm. And so a lot of people think that all those dream sequences are hinting that there's a battle going on inside a Shepherd to be indoctrinated by the Reapers. And that that final choice is him being indoctrinated. Which is why all of a sudden the, to destroy the Reapers is, would, be par- would be Renegade. Because you know it's the Reapers trying to convince him that it would be the wrong thing to destroy yeah. them. And why... To work with them would be blue uh, or Paragon. Yeah, to work with them would be Paragon, and I guess the final clincher is that in the red ending, there's that none of the other endings get it, but in the red ending, there's that final shot of Shepard waking up in rubble. Oh, I yeah, forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not in any of the other endings. You don't so get it in all the red endings. You don't get it in all the red endings. I very much died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, uh, rest, that's at a certain spot. I think. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that that you resisted indoctrination and then you wake up at the end. And I don't know how, I, f- I mean, I think it's kind of a cool theory. I'm fine if they never do anything else with it. I yeah. like leave, yeah, leave yeah. it open. There's, there's no need to spell every single thing out. Yeah. But, yeah. Or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Where, did did Cameron you, really exist? No, it was, it's just Ferris really exist. Oh, does Ferris really exist? Is, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off all about Cameron's vision of what his friend is, you know, and, and his, like, yeah. alter ego. But I look at it in a much more literal sense. I, take the, I took the ending to be what they said on screen is what it was. And that the catalyst 
set up this system to essentially protect the universe from running basically off in a in an unstoppable pattern. Yeah. To where it like they repeat the cycles, but essentially this is their solution to it to uh, you know artificial life just completely taking over as it would, and that. They set up the system in such a way, and this is relevant to Mass Effect being built on choice, is that as part of the narrative, choice becomes a big part of it as well, in that at some other point, it's almost like if you think in terms of like the Constitutional Congress. We're going to put a system of government in place, a solution to the way things are now, but something can happen in the future to where we might not be relevant, and there might be something better than us that comes along that has a better choice and can do it better than what we did, yeah. and they will have then the option to destroy it. Like, they literally said Shepard is the only person to make it in there, in that room. Mm-hmm. So, like, he had to go through defeating sentient life. He had to go through all the the Prothean, if you got the DLC, talks about, Javik talks about how things repeat. Like, this is the way it was in my cycle. This is the way it yours. Yeah, he, there was kind of a Geth equivalent in his in his cycle. Yeah. Exactly. So the, the our cycle had to go through the rise of artificial life and the inevitable rebellion that happens as a result of that. It had to go through uh, – and that's the story of the Quarians and the Geth. Yep. It had to go through the dominant organic species not just taking over and working with the other species, unlike the Protheans who just dominated their cycle right. and pr- pushed everybody down. And they, they basically ran amok through evolution. And the Turians and the Solarian story with, with the um, – with Chachanka, with the uh, Krogan, that's the version of that in our cycle, mm-hmm. but then it works out. And so we had to go through all of those things, all those repeating cycles, to get to a point where there is a little bit level of equilibrium to where the choice can be made of what to do about this. And that's what Shepard's journey is, I think. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. so choice becomes an important part of the narrative. And this intelligent being the catalyst who set up the system said, I need someone else that can come along and go through all this and we'll go through every cycle we can until we get to that person who can then make this choice. Right, which is why I think the Catalyst has that one line where it says, obviously my system is no longer sustainable because you, you are, are standing here. here. Exactly. You have made here. It here. Yeah, because you made it to this room. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that's, that's, that's the ultimate relevant thing. The thing I wish now, looking back, is that there were more than just the spider, like they essentially what are now, I realize, are the Prothean version of Reapers. Which are the ones we see with the big right. things that land? Yeah, like there should be other organic species that were preserved, right? The, from previous cycles, from previous cycles. Yeah, I right. agree with that. And where where and, are those? And where? No, and I'm I'm pretty sure in Mass Effect Two, we were in a Reaper. Yeah, the and no, but that was the Reaper that was that was oh, you collecting find, humans. You find a derelict Reaper part yes. through where you first encountered the husks, and then you go. To the other... No, it's a collector ship where you find them mm-hmm. building... Ah, uh, right, collector ship. But you do in- enter a Reaper at one point. That's where you first encounter Legion in Mass Effect 2. Correct. Correct. All right, well, we So have- that's, that's my take on the ending. Do you okay. have a take on the ending you want to talk about? I, 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 I'm very similar to you. I look at what was presented to me, and I take it at face value. Right. I, you know, I, 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 I like the idea of the indoctrination theory, but for me, I'm, I'm going to sit at what's presented to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like the indoctrination theory because it gives context to the dreams, which I feel like I don't have a way to reconcile that otherwise. Unless it's guilt of a life lost as not a warrior or something like that. It's the only way I can reconcile it in my head. Yeah. The dreams didn't seem like, to me to be an overly important part of the narrative. It just was like... Besides being really annoying because I can't run. <laughs> yeah. That was a little tough. Gotta chase this little bastard running around and I'm just like... Urgh. Yeah. I, I will say there were people who complained too, and I get it. Um, that the mechanic of the choice at the end was not entirely clear. 
Like, I was presented with choices in a cutscene, in dialogue, and then I made the right choice for what I wanted to make, so clearly it did work on some level, but there was a moment of, like, wait, 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 I gotta go this way or this way? That is exactly what happened to me. I didn't even see the green option. Mm. I, when, when, when the slow motion stuff started happening at the very end, I was like, okay, I just saw a moment of needing to shoot this thing, and then that will trigger destroying... Yeah. All the Reapers. So I was like, that must be what I was going to do. Now, I attribute quite a bit of that to the fact that I was <laughs> up at 5 o'clock in the morning uh, yeah. playing Mass Effect 3 and not so much. Uh, so it might have been. Yeah, I, I, I felt like I was too. aware of all of them. And in fact, I walked up to all of them to look uh, at them up close. Right. And then I walked over to the red ending and shot the thing. Even the shooting, it felt like that was the wrong thing to do. I felt like just to activate it, not destroy it. Yeah, but, I, I didn't mm. feel that. Because we were in the Crucible at that point. Yeah. So I felt like... Should have been just like the I, red button. I, so I'm going to destroy the thing that destroyed the Reapers? That was like felt weird to Unless me. Unless you like, feel like maybe that's the control center for all of the Reapers. Uh-huh. You think about it like... the, the like, Kind of like analogous to the Geth. Like that's the central server where all of the Reaper sentience is. Yeah. And you just shoot it to destroy it. Yeah, but then... And, and that just triggers the Mass Effect. Well, really. I like, guess, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, it, it just doesn't seem... It doesn't seem quite right. Like it should have been a console that you pick and it's like... Okay, I'm shutting down all the Reapers and triggering self-destruct on everything. I do like that they made the Citadel an important part of it. The yes. Citadel is like this unspoken. Yeah, I thought yeah, well, that was, I mean, and it has been from the beginning that we we're like, we just found this really big yeah, thing, well, and now we're going to live on it. Even yeah. from Mass Effect One, where they found it, and also the Keepers were yes. already there. And Those motherfuckers. Know. When I saw them walking on Mass Effect Three, I was like, "You bitch, yeah. you traitorous bitch! <laughs> How did you make it all the way here?" Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I feel yeah, like no, those, I, those, I really liked. Um, uh, I, I loved the ending, and yeah, I don't subscribe to indoctrination theory. I like that it exists, um, but I, yeah. what I what I loved about the ending, and I always felt like the game was the games were pointing at the idea that something in the cycles would have to change, you know, because otherwise, like, well, why? That's what I kept asking myself, even back to Mass Effect One. It's like, well, what's going to keep this time different? Like, what's going to change this time? And it's like you're you're not going to break that cycle without something really costly happening. Um, and so I kept waiting for something like Monumental to happen in 3, and so I thought it was kind of a cool touch to see the Mass Effect relays kind of disassembled and the Citadel um, become a big part of it, too. Um, I, was a, I was a big fan of seeing all that kind of come together. It, it was It's just cool because it's like in every single one, they've been kind of showing you that like the Reapers have kind of di- directed the course of like kind of galactic civilizations, like that they've put these touchstones and guided it the way that they want kind of life to evolve. And so it was kind of neat to see that, you know what, we're going to go our own way is essentially the choice you're making by doing this. Like we're going to let the, let the galaxy build up in its own way, making its own discoveries and its own kind of advancements. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, f- I know a lot of people were upset about the idea that, oh, well, when they shut down the Mass Effect relays, now everyone's stuck. Um, and it, it wipes out. But I feel like, no, that's like the start of the story, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like that's the direction they can go in future with whatever they want to do in the future. It's like, wow, now the Reapers hold over this whole civilization's gone, and now we can do, you know, we can go our own way. It would be mm-hmm. weird if the Mass Effect relays to be, are gone. It's like, I'm sure there's some Asari that have to be on Earth. Well, there, there were. I mean, there were uh, Turians as well. Where yeah. They were fighting on Earth. So, uh, and Krogan, everything was Krogan on Earth. Like, yeah. yeah, like... All the armies are on Earth, and now we just have civilians just on random planets yeah. stuck. Stuck. Yeah. Like, there's some people in the Asari homeworld. Well, they're not stuck, because the, ships still have FTL drives. They're just a lot slower than Mass Effect. True. 
stations. True, but we don't know how long it would take. I don't have any idea how long it would take to get to... Yeah, but I, lo- I looked. It's, <laughs> I'm a nerd. Uh, <laughs> it's something like Dreadnoughts. Like, the Dreadnoughts have, like, the huge relays that are pretty comparable to the Mass Effect relays. They take four months to get across the galaxy. Oh, okay. But, but, uh, but, it, but if... Like, for everybody else, it's years. Yeah, but if we chose the red ending, like Adam and yeah. I did, these people are stranded. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't even have people are screwed. Yeah. It, like, yeah. And there are complete races that are just gone. In our ending, Eddie, I mean, people don't have taxis anymore. Yeah. The technology's well, gone. So you really think it was like an EMP that like wiped out like, wiped out like Well, that's what he said. He said the red ending. Just ending? wiping out like, te- like, synth- like technological No, no. It was technology. It, yeah, dude. It, it, it destroyed like, it destroyed the, it destroyed the Normandy. Like, well, at least it looked like yeah. that was gone. the reason. he has gone. Yeah, yeah, like, it took everything out. It, it, it made us nomads. To reset. But something that, 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 <laughs> something that I think will be interesting is is now we get to see what I can only describe as a top level cycle. Like those those relays came from somewhere. So now now that the relays are destroyed and we're kind of rebooted, we're now at the beginning before even the small cycles happened, mm. where this life has has created. You know, reapers to. So you're going back even before the. We're now going back before the relays, before the citadel, before yeah. everything, and now. Well, they warned us. You'll, you'll rebuild, and you will build a sentient, exactly. or, or artificial life form mm-hmm. that will that will you, that you'll, you'll have to do, do with it all of this stuff yeah. again, and yeah. and and I think it's it's neat. It's cool. It's like a master cycle, yeah, made of little smaller cycles that that, that, that can eventually years. develop into you know a, a, a race that builds smaller cycles to protect. Mm-hmm. You know, lizard eating amphibians. They're just, they're just going to build reapers. So, like, hey guys, that was a pretty good idea. We'll just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I know we want to wrap this up, guys, okay. but uh, I want to point out something we talked about in the non-spoiler part of the podcast, uh-huh. which is like, what happens if we get involved with aliens and we can't recognize each other? How frustrating would it fucking be for the Protheans? Like, we cataloged everything. We we gave <laughs> the planes for the fucking crucible. We cataloged it all, and sure, some of that stuff gets buried in time. You know, mm-hmm. over fifty thousand years, it like just gets lost, and you have to discover it. But the, Javik was like, realize you don't communicate the way we communicate. Yeah, you, like we had this like connection with each other where we could just pass ideas. You fuckers didn't have that, so we built all these things that just look like stone obelisks. Yeah, you. yeah. And they didn't have any information. It, yeah, they, they, they put everything into these uh, into these beacons, and there's no way to interact with it. <laughs> Be like if we wrote it down in books, and then like the next civilization didn't have eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, yeah. well. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, I can feel this. So they have these books of like they collected leaves. <laughs> you know? Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, that had to be so. You you made a really weird face when um. Of course, now that I'm bringing it up, I can't remember what you said. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the pocket. That's the end of it. You remember five there minutes? There was now. some. Yeah. All right. One well, of the races that was killed off early. The Batarians? No. Vort- uh, no, oh, the Rachni. Yes, I felt like there was. I mean, there was a bunch of spoilers in the it, beginning of Mass Effect Three that they were going to come back, and like maybe I just didn't do the side quest or something. But they were not. Oh. Like, no, no, I, I saved them, and I they went to work on the Crucible. Same, and I, I, they were. I was like, I did the right thing. I saved a race that was being enslaved, and they're working the Crucible. Then later they go, "You fucking asshole." They attacked all the scientists. Wait, did you? So <laughs> wait, no, no, no. That that happens, and this must be because you didn't import your character. Uh-huh. That happens if you chose to kill the queen in Mass Effect One. Then they, then the Reapers, I want to say, build an artificial queen. Yes. That if you rescue, 
if you rescue the artificial queen, she goes to help you for a bit and then attacks the scientist. That's what happened to me. Yeah. If you preserve the original queen from Mass Effect 1 okay. and then free her, then then the Rachni go to work and they don't do the rebellion. Which I thing. did do on one save. My problem is I played Mass Effect too many times. So I, yeah, I, I you know, have like a hundred saves. I do have like a hundred saves. And it's <laughs> like, so I have all their problems. I was like, those fucking traitorous Rachni bitches. <laughs> I saved them and they fucking attacked the scientists on the Crucible. Yeah. So that's what happened. I felt like the Ragni was the one thing that I felt was kind of lacking. In three, because I wanted to see more. You know what I mean? Like, just the fact that they were gone and they were such a big thing. I want to see the backstories of all these civilizations. I want to set up for the Krogan to show, like, how badly the Krogan got fucked over. Yeah, I wanted to fight side by side with the Rachni. Oh, that'd be cool. Same thing. It's like, you know, they were supposed to, like, they the Krogan were developed to fight these guys. How awesome are these guys? Why are they working on the Crucible? Yeah. Why aren't they out fighting? That that Reaper versus the worm cutscene was really cool, though. That was awesome. Yeah, the scale of that. Man, there was so many big scale. You guys didn't see it because you got the Geth and the Quarians to work together. But the cutscene where the Geth fleet and the Quarian fleet fight each other, that is an awesome cutscene. It is. It is fantastic. I got to watch that. Yeah, you got to go back to it. I went and watched it. It's pretty cool. It's like 4,000 ships with fighters and everything else. It's like... How? It's awesome. There's a scene... Um, and I'm, I'm, I mostly played Renegade through one and two, and then in three I didn't really. Um, but I would feel so bad doing this. The scene there's a when when Morden goes up to cure the genophage, and if you tell him not to go do it because you want to sabotage it, and he says he's going to go do it, you can shoot him in the back. Oh, and wow! I watched the scene on YouTube, and it was the saddest thing I think I've ever seen. Wow! <laughs> you shoot him in the back, and then he falls into the elevator and hits the button, and he goes up. And then he gets to the top and everything's blowing up and he's like crawling to the panel to try to stop it. And he's like, wh- he's like moaning and he's like, not yet, not yet, not yet. Oh and my God. Dies right before he gets there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's the horrible. worst thing ever. That's pretty horrible. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, All right. We definitely need to wrap up. This is a record for our longest podcast ever. Yeah. So let us know what you think about a spoiler cast. Uh, hopefully the five people who have finished Mass Effect and well, you don't want to ruin for them have, uh, have listened to this and let us know what you think about it. We'll do more spoiler cast. Can I do a quick plug for... Um, I write for a site called Gamer Sushi, and yeah, we write video games and stuff. So we have a Mass Effect Three spoiler cast that we did a couple weeks ago as well. What's the What's the URL? GamerSushi.com. We'll put it in the link dump, so it'll be clickable. Cool. All right. Thanks, well, thanks for joining us, Eddie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye.